Tinted Reels. I am your co-host Zachary Duncan. Thank you for tuning in to the Rose Tinted Reels podcast. This episode is all about one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Thank you for joining us. My heart. <laughs> How many people do you think I just terrified? <laughs> oh God. What's funny is you remind me of my first timestamp. Oh. In one flew over the cuckoo's nest. By the way, I'm Allison. Yeah. Are you I'm, also a co-host? I am. A quite startled one indeed. <laughs> no, seriously, feel my heart. <laughs> like, it's pretty good. Wow, it's cranking. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, All right, let's calm down. I'm sorry if I got everyone's tempo up. I didn't mean to. You just to. caused four car accidents. <laughs> four car accidents and people in their office to throw pens across the room. Yeah, it's true. I'm so sorry. Their bosses are furious. <laughs> Wait, why are you in an office right now? Well, some people are. I know, but your boss should be wearing a mask. You shouldn't be able to see how furious they are. <laughs> You can tell a lot through someone's eyes. I suppose so. I suppose so. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for joining us, dear listener. Hi, friend. I think I went a little Woody Allen there, dear listener. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm the listener. original awkward boyfriend that shouldn't have a hot girlfriend. I'm but just so happy that you joined us today. You're the only one today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, the hell is going on in your life? Guess who's vaccinated and has two thumbs? Is it? Is it a high five time? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. No, I was trying to block your face. <laughs> Sorry I th- about the confusion. Yeah. No, no. I just assume everything is praise. <laughs> you were raised uh, in America <laughs> in the 90s. Everything's all about you. Technically, I mean... But I still had military family, so I think that gave me a <laughs> nice little dose of reality. Oh, okay. So you have some worldly perspectives? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay, gotcha. All right, so uh, I hear that you've been shopping today. I did. I went shopping with my husband for my wedding band. Wow. Because our wedding, our, our proper in-person wedding versus the Skype wedding is up and coming. So wait, are you getting married? Again. Wow. Giving you another opportunity to congratulate congratulations. me. Congratulations. <laughs> Just a real big congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's sincere and heartfelt, I'm sure. <laughs> Just like the last 45 times. Yeah, exactly. Well, you said you texted every day and you kind of... <sighs> I know. I've been falling down on that. But then I have to make it extra big deal on the podcast. Yeah. Or or the day of the wedding. You could be one of those people like, now, now, I know the best man usually gives a speech, <laughs> but I think In I know... In fact, sit down. <laughs> sit down, best man. Dave. Dave. If that's even your name. <laughs> Look, I've got something to say. Just congratulations on getting married. I'm really happy for you. When I first met Mark. <laughs> I knew that they would be get married today. Specifically today. Yeah. Now, they thought, you know, the four other days they had scheduled would be the day. Nah. I, I, I saw through that. <laughs> <laughs> that COVID facade. Yes, they were lying. I knew it. So, uh, you know, you were shopping for a wedding band? Yeah. yeah. And I found a, a nice one. It's part of a collection of new rings that 
are made to look vintage and antique. And I thought that would go really well with my engagement ring because that was gifted to me by my grandmother. Serious question. Other than having elven writing or elvish writing on your ring, in oh, what it, way? It only is shows a, up in flame. Exactly. But in what way does a wedding band differ from century to century? Well, um, metal types could be different. Some rings would have more diamonds, less diamonds, plain. One could be hammered, like a, a lot of traditional, you know, from medieval times, those would have been hand hammered. So those would have a different look. All right. So it sounds like there's a difference perhaps in the process from making them and perhaps even the materials of which they are made. Mm-hmm. But the end product, the look of it, does it look different? It's round. Sounds about the same sort of thing <laughs> yeah. that I'm familiar with. So uh, this one I thought looked special because it has, I describe it very badly, but it's it's a solid band. It doesn't have any diamonds in the band of it, but it's hammered and pressed. So it picks up light in a, just kind of a very unique, beautiful way. So having never been a married man, but mm-hmm. I have observed other people being a married man. Mm-hmm. So do people have diamonds and such in their wedding bands or is that mainly just a, a an engagement ring thing? It, it just, it depends on the user. I see. And huh. how blingy you want to be. So I'm a little bit more simple. So I wanted something. It's usually not something someone wants to say about themselves. Not not simple in the, the way that Mr. Merchant would have me entitled. <laughs> You're a little, little bit, bit simple. simple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good to know. I didn't think you were, but you know. Well, it's I. I'm just not very flashy, showy, and um, I don't know. I'm looking at your nails, and those are telling me some. That's a different story, right there. Well, I didn't want to go to the ring store and be humiliated with plain fingers, so I felt like I had to paint my nails, which I don't normally do. Mm. Yeah, you didn't want to be shamed out of the shop by people telling you you had too plain a nail. Yeah, I didn't want Tiffany to judge my cuticles. Yeah. Oh, I can understand that. I'm sure it can be brutal in those stores. <laughs> it, it would have been like a whole pretty woman thing where they just, oh, <laughs> this ring is very expensive. I'm sure someone with your cuticles could never afford it. I wonder if they've got like somebody at the door checking people's nails as they walk in. And be like, I'm sorry, those nails are too plain. I actually made Mark change his outfit because I was worried about being <laughs> shamed at the store. <laughs> Why was this such a high stress endeavor? Because I've never shopped for fine jewelry before. Yeah, but I I feel like your wallet does the talking there, right? If you walk in acting like you belong there, you'll look like you belong there. Yeah. I guess part of it is also, I, I still get confused sometimes for someone much younger than I am, which is complimentary, but that comes with a, why are you here? Prove you belong here. Is Usually that- it's at liquor stores. How often do you think that might be psychological? Oh, it could a hundred percent be psychological. Yeah. And they could be trying to be complimentary, but me, I'm like, I'm not 12. (laughs) (laughs) I'm allowed to buy beer, I promise. But I'm not because I'm allergic, of course. Yeah. But I could. I could. And I'd make you get me to the doctor's office, but I could. (laughs) (laughs) And I can order my own Uber. I've never ordered an Uber. You've never ordered an Uber? No, I don't. You and I took an Uber all the way to D.C. We did. And... (laughs) And got rear-ended yeah. because DC. Got into a little bit of an, an accident. And she's just like, okay, get out. <laughs> it's right there. You can see the awning. And we're like, okay. It ended up being free. Yeah. You know? Which I felt so bad for her. 
I did too. But yeah. on the other hand, she's probably getting compensated for it too. We're recording, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, eight minutes in and we've talked about nothing. <laughs> I did, in fact, though, name the movie we're watching at the beginning of the episode. I'm so proud of myself. You did. I was. Right. I thought I was going to start with the poem. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Poemize. <clears throat> I'll, even, I'll splice it out and, and it'll just be at the front. La-di-da, splicer man. I shall splice. Go ahead. Poem time, everyone. Everybody sit down, warm yourselves by the fire, put on your little earmuffs and your scarves and Ooh. Feel nice and cozy before Zach scares the pants off. Yes, yeah, just get nestled into the uh, the crevices of your best beloved. I don't know if that's that's not exactly as dirty as I I didn't intend for it to be. Anytime you mention cre- a crevasse, yeah, I I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't intend for it. I meant like, get, you this know. This is our craziest episode yet. <laughs> just ne- nestle into like their armpit, like just your head. Get into the nook of <laughs> your, your lover's arms. And again, not in their like, just don't put your face in their armpit. Like like you're trying to smell something. That's not what I mean. That's a relationship test. Did you put on deodorant today? <laughs> this is uh, this is still COVID time. So did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just like, you know, your ear in their chest, that, that sort of thing. Listen to their heartbeat. Yes. Listen to their heartbeat, check that they're okay and alive, and then listen to this poem. And for a single, or for those who are single. Us single people? I'm sorry, uh, did the wedding already go south? Yeah. <laughs> it did because I talked about his armpit. No, uh, <laughs> for, for those of you who are single and have a pet, put your head upon your pet and like nuzzle them and just love your, love your little fur buddy. And for the people who are single and don't have a pet. Get a pet. Get well, or if your if your apartment landlord doesn't allow you to have a pet, then get a fish. And if they don't allow you to have a fish, which actually, would also could be you a snug, pet. Could you, yeah, I was gonna say, can you snuggle a fish though? Um, there was a movie that I used to. She would pet her fish, like it was her best friend, and then the fish became suicidal. <laughs> this sounds like a great story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the sound of it. But uh, say you can't even have a fish. Uh, you can snuggle a pillow. You can call call a, a hotline. And oh, you could get a waifu pillow. You can get a waifu. Get into anime in a big way. Yeah. All so right. that's very much like this poem. Let's do it. Three geese in a flock. One flew east. One flew west. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's it. Oh, that's the end? No. Well, that was a brilliant poem. Short, simple, and, you know. Not a haiku. Of, not a haiku. And Thank God. part of the, the book. So, have we talked about haikus on here? I don't on, believe on we have. podcast? I hate them. I, I don't understand them. Is it the whole cadence or representing of the seasons? And, of course, I have to hate what I don't understand. That's Very American. The, that's, the, that's the American way. <laughs> I don't get you, girl. Die! <laughs> uh, anyway. So what's new with you? Haiku. Well, hang on. Oh, sorry. I've got to explain sorry. my hatred of the haiku. I just can't hate it. I have to tell you why I hate it. No, I, I honestly, I don't even know why. It, I guess I do. I they just don't sound, it doesn't sound like a poem. It sounds like you're you're telling me you're listing some discordant sentences mm-hmm. and stringing them together. And I just, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't seem poetic at all. It doesn't even rhyme. There's no, there's no <laughs> rhyme. There's no beauty. In my opinion, there's no beauty. There's no substance there. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Listeners, send me in the finest haikus you know about and maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I, as far as I'm aware, they're all disgusting nonsense. Points from me if they're funny. Yeah. And then we'll all do dirty limericks and Actually, we'll realize that those are much better. You know where a great place to write your own rose-tinted real haiku would be? On? A five-star review. Oh, I thought you were going to say on the RDR. 
uh, community face place. But on a five star review on Apple Podcasts, yeah, now that, that that's an idea. Top notch. Yeah. Change his mind. Oh or my. even just make him say, I oh really love God. haikus. Okay, so we found your weakness, your Achilles heel. It would be someone having you bad mouth, David Bowie. And now we've gotten to my Achilles heel. Someone's going to have to make me read a haiku. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sound like I enjoy it, though, so it's all right, I think. Do you like haikus? I feel like you've been kind of silent on the haiku matter. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I'm actually not a very strong poetry person. Mm. Not in the sense that I don't appreciate them because I do, but more because I'm a terrible lyricist. I see. I like poetry. I mean, I'd like different varieties of poetry, but yeah, the haiku I, I could just never get into. Yeah. Now, what I'd like is something like a, a, a Tolkien kind of a ballad. I like those too. I feel like, uh, yeah, poems are, are going the, the way of the dodo. I feel like they need to come back in a strong way. It might help that we now have a poet laureate. She's fantastic. Even if it's just for the Utes. So Joy Harjo is actually a Muscogee Creek Nation Native American. And so is the lead chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So they're part of the same tribe. Well, that's a nice tie-in. I recognize that name from my research last night because, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. All right. Well, do you have any more pod-related news? Well, so we finally got a magical code back in from our friend, Tony Belante. Oh, he sent us a secret message? He did. All right. And that is pineapple, water, onion. Yes. Now, as hardcore listeners would understand, this is code that we set out in the third episode in Jaws. Yeah, back, you know, 20 episodes ago. Yeah, just to make sure that uh, a certain somebody was... Yeah, I know. I was a totally different person. (laughs) And we were still recording at my house on inferior technology. We upgraded because we love you. The least you could do is leave us a five-star review. You bastards. So (laughs) on that subject, we would really encourage you to go to Facebook and join our RTR community face place and, uh, you know, be part of the conversation. You can follow our official page on Facebook and Twitter at Rose Tinted Reels for, you know, the official updates. But, you know, if you want the super secret underhanded tickle tickle kind of talk, you go to the RTR community face place. Okay, and we're packed to dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Dirty, dirty. I want to clean your cups. (laughs) Your cups are very, very dirty. (laughs) And now I feel like we, for those who don't know the reference, have just been ear molested by our podcast. (laughs) And the dust. Oh, the dust. (laughs) Speaking Uh, of five-star reviews. Yes, oh, oh, so... Just as a recap, just as a recap, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and do you know what? If it's a five-star review, we will read it in its entirety on this program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No matter what it says, as we were saying earlier, we'll we'll read haikus if you do that. But, you know, you can also leave something more pleasant. I prefer a little bit of edge, so insult me a little bit. Or you could plug something you're working on through our five-star review. You could do that or any uh, number of other things. So just go there. It helps us. And we, we give you this little treat. We'll read it on the air. And if you choose not to have your name, you can tell us not to do that. But uh, otherwise, we'll give you a little bit of shout out. How cool is that? Huh? Do you it. You want to be cool, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, we do have some big news, don't we? Oh, gosh. We had the most touching five-star review. Yes, we had a lovely little five-star review, didn't we? It, it warmed our hearts. We don't know who wrote it. Yeah, that, that's the thing of it. Like, we, we've tried to suss out. I have Googled, the, which is all, only what we can do aside from saying, who are you? <laughs> and I'm letting Zach read it because I do think Zach has a beautiful reading voice. 
So while Zach pulls that up, all I will say is, you know, Stephen, it's your turn. You need to review us. Laura, please mm. review us. Russ, get out there and review us. Lewis, I'm looking at you, Lewis. Gerald. Okay, you, you did Gerald last time. Gerald is my guy. You did Gerald he, and Geralt. He's my number one also. guy. <laughs> Mark, my husband. Mark Anthony. Who hasn't listened to us. No, but he somehow knows that I haven't seen shit. <laughs> Apparently someone's been telling him tales out of school. Well, he also sees, what What are you watching tonight? Oh, he hasn't seen that? What's the What's the most egregious thing? It's obviously, you know, Indiana Jones, right? Indiana Jones is a big one. Lost Boys was a big one to him. Well, he's got shirts and such for, for Lost <laughs> he Boys. He has shirts. He doesn't fault. just walk around shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got shirts, so... You yeah, know, that's that's my defense. He has a Santa Carla noodles shirt. They're just noodles, Michael. <laughs> Michael, leave us a five star review. <laughs> They're only noodles, Michael. So, uh, yes, Michael, please leave us a review. And here is the review: the five star. Let me not get that twisted. Four star, you're out of here. We're not reading nothing. Four and a half, four point nine. It's not even possible. But if it were, we wouldn't read it. Five hecking stars. Or else. We will come for you. So uh, this was written by Pilgrim Soul 91 or Pilgrim's Owl, spelled Ooh, strangely. Be Pilgrim's Owl. <laughs> uh, possibly Pilgrim's Owl 91. So here we go. The next best thing to hanging out with your friends. Five stars. Aww. Here we go. If it were any other year, we could all hang out with our friends and rewatch our favorite shows and movies with a healthy dose of banter and schnark. This is the podcast for when you're missing those days, exclamation mark, extra space between this and the next sentence, tuning in to Allison and Zach's witty repartees like spending an evening with your best pals, dash, dash, come for the movie talk, stay for the laughs, exclamation mark, even though I'm kind of whispering right now. 10 out of 10. Great job, guys. Bye-bye. Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, you. I really appreciate all of this. Oh, God, they're turning against us. You like me. They're laughing you now. Really, laugh at you. Oh, dang it. Oh, no, they're clapping again. They're happy. Yay. See, we can really turn them around. Thank you. 10 out of 10. She says 10 out of 10, but she only gave us five stars, which I find suspect. They can't give it. Maybe maybe she liked us so much she's going to review us twice. And we're assuming, <gasps> we're assuming she. We are assuming she. Why are we assuming she? I don't know. <laughs> like, because a so pilgrim weird. that's we both an did. owl <laughs> will be a she. Pilgrim's owl? All maybe owls this are is a she's. No, this is a female owl. It's a pilgrim's owl. Oh. Right? She oh. couldn't put an apostrophe in there, but that's what it is. But we did assume gender on this reviewer. I don't know why. Maybe it's because uh, Melanie commented, and in my mind, oh. I was like, maybe it was her. And then it wasn't, but then I just kept the female aspect in my mind. It could be Melanie. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm, so 91 could be graduation year. It could be birth year. Someone, they could be 91 years of age. They could be a, a very youthful old owl. Uh, old is subjective. I don't know if I would go so far as mature, to say old. A youthful, mature there owl. There you go. There you go. 91-year-old, youthful, mature. I don't know what's going on there, here. There are a lot of contradictory <laughs> statements. She's a walking contradiction. All right, so uh, there you go. There's our five-star review for this podcast. Now go out there, you listener. You listening right now, for the love of Christ, leave us this five-star review. We need it. We eat it. We thrive upon it. I know. This is literally our sustenance. Literally, we eat these reviews to live. And, and truly, it cannot be understated enough. We need to know to keep going. And the yeah. way to do that is five-star review. Yeah, yeah. No, I we mean, live for the applause, as Miss Gaga 
Hesed. Miss well, Lady Gaga. I, I, I don't know much about her. She lives for the applause. Does she? Well, I believe it. You know, wearing she a meat dress and such. I, only know, the only two things I know about her, she wore a dress made of meat. Mm-hmm. And she sang the three-way song with uh, Lonely Island. <laughs> and surprisingly, I knew that song, but forgot what a helicopter dick was. <laughs> to impress a chick. Did I tell you that Mark made fun of me for coming home not knowing what that was? Yeah, that is curious. Why? why you've seen them just, pantomime just, flinging their wieners around and you didn't know what a helicopter dick was. It just popped right out of my head. Wow. Just helicopter right out of there. It just flew right out. <laughs> okay, so here we go. We're going on to Act 2, Inside the Real, events of the year 1975. So this is our third time coming back to this year. Okay. I thought you were about to scoop me. You began speaking really quickly. I was about to start <laughs> speaking over you. <laughs> no, no. So I was about to say, I just I have a refresh from Jaws and Rocky Horror, but I didn't find anything that stood out as good, unique that we haven't already covered. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know if I've covered these before, but you know what? It's been some time, and maybe the people listening to this are new, and they don't know what went on in the year 1975. And I, gosh, I'd just really like them to know. Please tell them. Okay, well, if you insist, Bill Gates and Paul Allen developed the basic program for the Altair 8800. I'm pretty sure we did cover that. I'm sure we did too, (laughs) but you know what? There it is again. SNL premiered in 1975. In what? SNL, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, but they premiered in what? 1975. Oh, okay. Sorry, you made me feel like, did I get the wrong year? (laughs) (laughs) No, sometimes I just like to question inconsequential details. Yeah, because you see me panic. Uh, anyway. Heart rate, heart rate. <laughs> so, you know, obviously we've reviewed Jaws and that released on this year. In addition to these movies that I probably already listed on Jaws, The Towering Inferno, mm-hmm. Benji, Young Frankenstein, The Godfather Part Deux, Funny Lady, Murder on the Orient Express, The Return of the Pink Panther, and Tommy. Not to be confused with Tommy, Tommy Boy. Boy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready for a synopsis? Let's get on to the synopsis. What's the real synopsis for this movie? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm going to say that more often. Just in case these podcasts are long, people might forget what episode they're listening to. Yeah, we, we've had to do a scouring of our own voices trying to find what did we record this time. <laughs> it takes a long time. It does. So, a criminal pleads insanity and is admitted to a mental institution where he rebels against the oppressive nurse and rallies up the scared patients. Where he rebels against the state, but just for now that I'd have to wait because he's running late for his morning classes. And he will always be a rock and roll nerd. Sorry. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) So my bad synopsis. Ratchet is kind of a bitch. I think she's all right. My synopsis is the end is shocking. (laughs) Is it? Because I feel like if you've watched a lot of popular media, you you could figure out the ending before seeing this film. Possibly, possibly. All right. So let's get on to trivia. Now, by God, by thunder and by glory, I've got a lot of trivia and a heck of a quiz for you. I think it's going to be a hard quiz. And I didn't get any matter of facts for today. Good. So if I, <laughs> I'll show him. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, no, since I've got a lot, if I go first, that means that you'll it'll be more dispersed, and I won't have so many extra at the end. Oh okay. So how about I go first? Are you comfortable with that? No, no. Go on. Okay. Go on with your bad self. Louis Thrash Pletcher. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to say all of those words again because I got none of them. <laughs> Louise Fletcher? 
Is that what you said? Yeah. I strung it out and I was saying some letters wrong and none of it made any sense. Lou I use. And it made me laugh. So I had to bail. <laughs> hang anyway. on, hang on. Pause, rewind. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. All right, what? so here we go. Louise Fletcher was so disturbed by her own performance that she couldn't watch the film for years. In later interviews, she said that she found ways to make her character human, yet remain unsympathetic, deciding that she did care about the patients, but was misguided and drunk on her own power. That's one way to review your work. <laughs> Honestly, that's how I read it. I, I guess part of me knows people like Ratchet, and so it just... Mm. Even more so than when I saw it the first time. So I don't think I, I set this up. I read the book in either late middle school, early high school. Mm -hmm. And we watched the film then as the companion. And I hadn't seen it since. So this is oh, wow. truly a... Um, Getting a good read on the nostalgia versus now. Yeah, because honestly, I... I forgot so much and hmm. I reacted completely differently in different ways to these characters and this movie than I did upon first watching. So very interesting. It's going to be a, a different kind of analogy. I think at the end, do you have notes later on about comparing the difference between your reactions when you were younger and now? Yes. Okay, good. Cause I'd definitely like to dig into that. Yeah. Okay. U.S. customs nearly doomed the film. Despite the middling success of the 1963 stage adaptation of Ken Kesey's novel starring Kirk Douglas, Douglas was dead set on adapting the story to the screen. Douglas contracted Czech director Milos Forman about the project, promising to send Forman a copy of the book for his pursuit. Douglas mailed Forman the novel, but the package was confiscated by Czechoslovakian customs and never reached the director. Unaware that the parcel's fate, the filmmaker resented Douglas's broken promises, and Douglas thought Foreman rude for ever bothering to confirm receipt of the novel. It took a decade to sort out the mess, and things were only cleared up once Kirk's son, actor and producer Michael Douglas, took another crack at the production, contacted Foreman once more. So it's kind of funny. It's a crazy story. And you know, speaking of Ken Kesey, mm -hmm. so this is something that I didn't read Kies, on. Kesey. Kesey? It's K-E-S-E-Y, I believe. Yeah. Kesey. 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 My <laughs> name is Kenneth Kesey. You know, I, I cannot Kesey if it's right or not. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> and we lost all the listeners that we had. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? I miss you. Come back. <laughs> so, no, I didn't read this fact on any of the interwebs and such, but my dad, being a Grateful Dead fan, I, I told him that we were going to be doing this episode, and he said that the author of the books, Ken Kesey... <laughs> volunteered to be part of CIA LSD tests. Oh, yeah, I, I knew about that one from... There was actually, I think, a documentary that came out about the forest that they created for these LSD trips to monitor. I think that's where he yeah. got the information. But anyway, so apparently he did that and would sneak out LSD to give to the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I didn't know about that element of it. Yeah, that there you go. Right? That's a pretty good little uh, tidbit. Yeah. So I don't know if that should count for my turn. You can go again. Okay. When the uh, producers were shopping for the picture studio of the film, 20th Century Fox was interested, but with the catch, Fox wanted McMurphy to survive. They didn't want him to die in the end. And Michael Douglas and Saul Zanitz considered that a deal breaker. And eventually, United Artists picked up the film. You know, there was a lot of conflict, creative conflict on this film. This is another thing that I've gotten, I think, written down later, but I might as well bring it up now. Jack Nicholson had a very big dispute with the director scooped me gotcha oh what what uh, angela what did we say last episode 
Agatha. Agatha. Yeah. You full Agatha. No, it wasn't a full Agatha. It was a partial Agatha because the, I didn't the know. The intent was nothing. Yeah, I didn't intend to scoop you. I didn't know that you had this in the pocket and you were excited for it so and it I ripped an, it out from you. It's an Aggie. It was just a, it was a mere Aggie. <laughs> it was a mere Aggie, not a full Agatha. So uh, to refresh our listeners, an Agatha <laughs> is when we scoop each other with malicious intent. Right. So someone's got like a really cool fact that they are really excited and the other person knows it and they do it first. That's called being an Agatha. But if it's just a short with no intended harm, but a scoop still persisted, an Aggie will work. That's an Aggie. So uh, anyway, so yeah, Jack Nicholson did not get on with the director and they had to speak through the, I believe it was the director of photography because the director wanted the ward to be in chaos when Jack Nicholson's character came there. And Jack Nicholson said, no, they should be kind of normal and it would be his presence that makes them go a little bit crazy. Which I actually, I side with Jack Nicholson on that. I think that makes more story sense. And that actually ties into my first timestamp. Just that kind of serene, everything's under control. And then boom, chaos. Yeah. He's just a bolt of chaos. Well, that that to me is Jack Nicholson personified. He is bottled chaos. You think so? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Are you talking about, are you uh, alluding to his very uh, famous Hollywood parties where everyone would show up, do a lot of blow and then break things no i just meant um his performances the characters that mm. he really shines throughout you know when you look at the shining or you look at when he played the joker in batman he has this mm. bubbling chaotic he's loki personified like, yeah that's a good he would be a good one to play in his younger years especially i think he would have been a good one to play loki yeah like even if they did a mature aged loki he would be he'd be excellent but he is a god does a god age well, they can choose to or represent themselves as an aged person. I suppose so. I suppose so. But I uh, mean, look at Odin. Odin was not exactly youthful. He was the all-father, though. So, mm-hmm. you know. What do you think is the best Jack Nicholson role? Uh, that's hard because... Anger he, management. <laughs> you already had that answer ready to go. I just <laughs> I, <laughs> wanted uh, to upset people who are listening. So, can I can I tell you something? No. Okay. But, you know. Sure. You've never what? So maybe when it's your turn again, you can assign that one if you feel strongly about it. <laughs> I don't know if I, feel, <laughs> I don't know if I feel strongly enough about it to do it on this podcast. Though it would be funny to analyze that movie. <laughs> I mean, it's an Adam Sandler thing. That, that's I think why it's good, but and you know. I think that's why I didn't pursue it is because of the Sandlerness, the innate Sandlerness. It's not a Sandlery. As some of these other movies. <laughs> because it has a Nicholson. It's got a Nicholson in it. It's, it's got that bottled chaos of a Nicholson. He, it's it's a serious-ish kind of romant, romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, there's none of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, he loses his cool a few times and yells in, in, a, in a Sandler-esque way. Mm. So for, for me, Nicholson, oh gosh, it's so hard because I, I love him in this. I loved him in Batman because yeah. I think he did a phenomenal job adapting uh, the Joker mm-hmm. in that kind of Tim Burton world. Yeah. And I still quote him from that all the time with Mark. I like, did it earlier in this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Dance with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight. Just like. You are my number one <laughs> guy. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Looks like Jack got a little hot under the collar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> huh, looks like there's a. A rooster in my in-house. <laughs> like I do a terrible Nicholson. Don't judge me. Uh, so, um, but those, and also just his 
deterioration in The Shining was phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. just, and that that was something to be said. Can you imagine if One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was made by Kubrick? Like the the different way that we could have seen the asylum. I think that would have been amazing. We would have felt crazy by the end of it because mm-hmm. Kubrick has that way of pulling you into this weird world. Now, this movie would have been seven hours long. Well, and also with the way his obsessive nature of, of directing, mm-hmm. he probably would have driven people literally crazy. Yeah. And since or, they were or hired. Well, they, 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 they actually filmed this in a real uh, mental hospital or psychiatric hospital. Don't you aggie me. All right. I won't continue then. <laughs> But I will say that they used uh, legitimate psychiatric patients. For some of the scenes, yeah. At, well, and as crew. Yeah. yeah. So if that had been with Kubrick. It would have gone full Kubrick real fast. You know, there would have been some problems. <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion. Uh, anyway, uh, so I don't mean to Aggie you. Okay. So go ahead again. I still haven't. I, I'm just doing these off the top of my dome. So I haven't gotten even to my second one yet. Okay, uh, this is another film choice of not my first choice leads situations. Right. When Kirk Douglas spearheaded the first attempt to bring One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest to life on the big screen, it was still the 1960s. He had intended to play a lead role himself, McMurphy, just said he had done on the stage. When the production began 10 years later, Douglas was too old for the part, leaving Foreman to consider other leads. And Foreman really liked Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando, but his favorite was yet again... Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds keeps trying to take those starring roles, but never got them. Louise Fletcher was also not wanted for the lead role. They wanted Anne Bancroft, Colleen Dewhurst, Geraldine Page, and Angela Lansbury, which also would have brought a completely different flavor to the role. But Louise Fletcher really fought hard for it. She wanted it. Well, so uh, on the note of Burt Reynolds, apparently, yeah, he was... Definitely the number one consideration from the director, but the studio wanted a more acclaimed, critically acclaimed actor. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think Nicholson was truly perfect for the role because he had that bottled chaos. That's, I think that's true. But then again, I haven't read the book. And according to, again, Ken Kasey, he didn't like Nicholson for the, the role. And he actually never wanted to watch this movie. He thought that they completely butchered the story. It was supposed to be told from the perspective of Chief. Yeah. And he didn't like the, the casting of Jack Nicholson. He said he, he was a totally different character. So, I don't know. He said he's refused to watch the movie. And years later, after it had been filmed and such, he was just flipping through the channels, apparently, and caught a glimpse of a movie he didn't recognize and started watching it and then realized it was, it was his movie. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, he was like oh, I'm not, he turned it off. So he still has never watched the full thing. Wow. And I don't know if it's because I watched the movie in tandem with reading the book, but I always pictured someone very much the same as McMurphy as the way Nicholson played McMurphy. I mean, I thought he did a, gr- a great job. I mean, it's Jack Nicholson. I mean, come on. He, he's acclaimed. He is. He's critically acclaimed, isn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. So don't worry. This is not going to turn into a Nicholson thirst trap like we had with <laughs> <laughs> William Sapka. <laughs> <laughs> Although he does, I feel like he emanates a little bit of the, maybe not leather, but perhaps spice. I get more cigar and whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Versus leather and spice. <laughs> but it's that oh, it's that kind of old world man smell. Yeah. Just, I'm not as into it as the leather and spice. No, no, no. I'm not either. Uh, but Louis Fletcher. Louis? Louis. 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 Louis Fletcher. Life Come here, Louis. Life with Louis. 
Louie, Louie. All right, so anyway, so she was so upset with the fact that other cast members could laugh and be happy during the production, while she had to be so cold and heartless, that near the end of production, she removed her dress and stood in only her panties to prove to the cast members that she was not a cold-hearted monster. I don't know how that what does proves have that. <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. But maybe that's that was the, like... Female comedians were just doing that at the time. They were just taking off their pants and people would laugh at them. Hilarious. Was that like the thing at the time? Well, what's interesting is um, actually one of the scenes in the book that didn't quite appear the same way as it did in the film. When McMurphy is going after her after poor Billy dies, he goes to strangle her, but her blouse pops open and her breasts pop out. And so I... He was trying to bring her down to a human level because she believed herself to be too godlike in this setting. And I'm glad they didn't do it because I think it would have changed how we appreciated McMurphy if he kind of became more rapey. Like he wasn't trying to rape her, but like in the fight, her clothes got torn open. And since everyone saw her, she lost her power over the others. So is tearing open the blouse to demean somebody worse than attempting to strangle them to death. I feel like the strangling somewhat overshadows the, the boob flopping out. Yeah, well, no, I just tie, tying it back to what you were saying, like, that could have almost been your appearance in the... I don't know, but you, you think that that would have changed your perspective, or rather did, I suppose, because you, you read the book. You think mm-hmm. that changed your perspective on the character? I mean, towards the end... Because I never... I, I guess not. Yeah, because I... At that point, I think we're all kind of siding with McMurphy because of his rage and sadness after poor Billy Bibbit. Okay. So, I'll tell you this. You and I have a different read on this movie. Okay. But that's fine. We'll, we'll get into that. There you go. We, all right. we don't want to jump the gun. No, I don't have any guns to jump anyway. So, go ahead. Foreman's original view of Nurse Ratchet was the personification of evil, a characterization that made Louise Fletcher a bad fit for the part in the filmmaker's mind. As Fletcher pressed for the role, Foreman's perspective of Ratchet evolved and was stated, I slowly started to realize that it would be much more powerful if it's not a visible evil, he said. That she's only an instrument of evil. She doesn't know that she's evil. She, as a matter of fact, believes that she's helping people. And this takes on the way that her character evolves and plays during the the film. Oh, that's interesting. So I didn't have that perspective. I didn't read that perspective on it. But I did hear that he had called or he had uh, auditioned her several times. And he kept saying, you're not right for this part. But he would keep calling her back Mm -hmm. and having her audition again. So it seemed like he either wanted her to be a fit or or something because apparently it was just many multiples of times he would have her come back and audition again mm-hmm. and finally i guess he had this epiphany and maybe i mean part of that could be seen how if he could see her sweat or what her kind of quiet rage would be well so speaking of her evil there's a long shot of louise fletcher looking icily at nicholson after he returns from shock therapy so, and it looks like she's, you know, angry that he's acting up or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But apparently that was just a shot of her looking at the director after being given some stupid direction. <laughs> I was like, huh, maybe she just has resting face. I have resting face. <laughs> no, yeah. So apparently he gave her some direction that she was irritated by and she was just looking over at him <laughs> in kind of evil way. <laughs> 
You know, it's funny. I uh, I teach a class as part of my my work, basically teaching empathy and kindness. And I had to change how I said resting face because I bring it up in the class about how to show you're approachable mm-hmm. um, and just being aware of how you are when you idle, where when others can see you. Mm-hmm. And I I realized if I used resting face, I couldn't say the part that usually goes in that statement. I have no idea what you mean bitch <gasps> such a mean word i know resting bitch face so i i have had to cut the bitch out of my language so i don't accidentally slip up and say it in class but now i've said it three times so it's back <laughs> bitch 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 <laughs> just like cartman's mom kyle's mom yeah she's a big fat bitch she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world she's a mean old bitch and she has stupid hair she's bitch 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 great song this is president barack obama's favorite movie oh that's interesting yeah I like that. I don't know why, but I wouldn't have pegged that for him. I wouldn't have either. I mean, I don't know what I would have pegged, but this wouldn't have sprung to mind, I suppose. But uh, yeah, apparently he's named this as his favorite movie. Huh. Now I want to ask, you know. Barry. Some questions. (laughs) Hey, Barry. Did you ever see the SNL skit with Angela Merkel? My beloved Barack. Oh, no, I don't think I did. Maybe I did. It basically just, it was Angela Merkel lamenting how much she missed Barack Obama. (laughs) After, I guess, Trump came in. because Trump had no love for Angela Merkel. Speaking of Trump, uh, the the new South Park vaccine special came out. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, and he came back to South Park, and he was like, why won't people just accept me? I just want to come back and be normal again. I want to teach. (laughs) Sorry, just... The whites are with you. <laughs> I did love the whites have always been with you. And he became a giant floppy penis. <laughs> oh, we've uh, got to deal with the whites. <laughs> got to deal with the whites. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, the, it all, all tie in to that episode itself. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, go to, you know, Hulu or... Uh, uh, maybe it's just on HBO now. Program. It's definitely there. They used to be on Hulu, but I think maybe HBO just bought them up. So I think maybe it's just on Hulu now. Or I mean, uh, HBO. Yeah. So this um, has been a plug for HBO. They owe us money. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> HBO owes us money. And, uh, you know, Trey Parker, man, hit me up. Or join the podcast one day. That would be, we, we would accept that in trade. I would. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. I'd be, you know, yeah. I'd be all right with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Matt Stone, Trey Parks, I'd be all right with it. Yeah. Call your boy. (laughs) Call your boy, man. (laughs) Where you been at? So all of the actors who played patients actually lived on the Oregon State Hospital psychiatric ward throughout the production. The men personalized their sleeping quarters and spent their days on campus getting a sense of what it was like to be hospitalized. Yeah, uh, and apparently, I guess it was the Shivali, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. he got so into it, so invested in his, his character that people were actually worried about him. That like they were legitimately worried as in they, they, the producers were talking to the doctors there and like, is, is he okay? And they were like, I mean, if he gets out of hand, we have medicine for him. Like they were genuinely, everyone was genuinely concerned for him. So can I piggyback on that one with another one? Yeah. Good. So oh, I thought you were almost done. Sorry. Oh no. So this one, uh, it, it actually works in with what you were saying about Vincent Chevalli. Danny DeVito actually became emotionally mm. strained from the demanding shooting schedule. DeVito developed a coping mechanism <laughs> by inventing an imaginary friend from whom he would have nightly chats. Concerned that his own sanity might be slipping away, Danny DeVito actually sought the advice of a psychiatrist who assured him that there was no real worry as long as DeVito could clearly identify this being as an imaginary fictional character that it wasn't real. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like from everything I've heard, this was a really stressful shoot. 
on top of it being in a setting that could be depressing. So again, imagine in the hands of Kubrick. Oh my god, that's what I'm saying. Like things could have get gotten ugly. So the no script, the script called for McMurphy to leap on a guard and kiss him when he first arrived at the hospital. Now during filming, the director decided that the guard's reaction wasn't strong enough and told Jack Nicholson to jump in front of the other guard instead. This surprised the actor playing the second guard greatly, and in some versions, you can see him punching Nicholson. Poor Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so I don't understand what that means, to be honest. In some versions, are there different versions of this movie? Director's cut. The unrated version. Triple X. Or maybe the, the one that didn't get the wide release. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Gene Wilder was in the stage production. Oh, man. Gene Wilder actually does play a good crazy. Like, I always interpreted oh, his yeah. Willy Wonka as batshit crazy. Rumors that the production shut down because Jack Nicholson had hair plugs implanted are totally false. <gasps> I didn't know they were totally true. Aha! <laughs> scoops. This is uh, TMZ style on the RTR podcast. This can be verified by actually looking at his scalp, apparently. He didn't get any hair plugs. So that's the long and short of it? He, he didn't get any hair plugs. It was all a misunderstanding. So, act three. Uh, no, 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 no. Because oh. we've got quiz time! The great big quiz show. All right. All right, are you ready for some quizzing? Actually, I feel like I'm going to fail you, so I will try. Okay, but you're, are you ready to fail? Yes. Okay. Question number one. Which of the following actors did not make their film debut in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Brad Dourif, Danny DeVito, Will Sampson, Mimi Sarkeesian, or Sarkisian. So which did not? Which of those actors did not make their film debut and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Will? Will Sampson? Because he was around since the 60s. Will Sampson was your guess as the person who did not make their film debut? Yes, because he had been around since the 60s. Incorrect. Hmm. The correct answer is Danny DeVito. Did not make his film. He did not make his film debut. I feel like I need to fact check you. Cause All right, we're getting a challenge. <laughs> All right, Allison. Yeah, because he was in The Outlaw, Josie Wales in 76. This was 75. I, I was pretty sure. This crazy Mama was also 75. So, I don't know. It's conflicting because he was uncredited in that. Possibly why it's not. Maybe this was filmed first. I don't know. But either way, there was the same year. So Contentious. All right. So, uh, you lost half a point. Oh. <laughs> we'll give you that. All right. So, question number two. Which of the following Academy Awards did the film not win? Director, supporting actor, actress, adapted screenplay. Can I have the categories again? Director, supporting actor, actress, adapted screenplay. Director? Incorrect. It was supporting actor oh. that it did not win. No, but it was one, it was, uh, one of the Holy Trinity movies. Or Holy Quadrinity or whatever, because it was the same category as uh, It Happened One Night. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, where it won, like, all the major ones, but, you know, supporting actor is not a major one. It's a major award. It's a major award! You are always jealous. <laughs> jealous because I won. <laughs> you broke it on purpose! You used all the glue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, question number three. In the party scene... Which patient is seen wearing Nurse Ratchet's cap? Oh, gosh. It starts with an S. 
Can I look up the characters? Because I'm trying to remember the name. I think it's like Salvatino. But I don't know. That seems like cheating. It's the guy with the long beard, long hair, and glasses. I want to say he's doing it because it's going to bother me. Well, I'm going to have to forfeit you. I didn't look at... I want to say Salvatino. Uh, it was Cheswick. Cheswick. Oh, okay. I would have been wrong anyway. All right. Question number four. What reason does Chief give for not escaping with McMurphy? I know he wanted to stay in the, the hospital because he was scared of being like his father and putting all of himself into the bottle. I might as I guess I can give you the point for that, but there is a reason that he initially gives. Now that's kind of the explanation of the reason. <laughs> but he gives one little chunk of, of reason or phrase. I'm not big enough, he says. Oh. Because he says, I'm not as big as you. Oh, yeah. And he's like, well, you're as big as a mountain. Yeah. Well, yeah I'll give you a point for that. Okay. Are right. you feeling bad because I'm, I'm doing lousy this time? I knew you would do lousy. These were hard questions. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, unless you like had specifically, I don't know, unless you were an expert on this, I wouldn't have expected most people to get these. No. So what is that? One point? <laughs> what, one and a half, technically, because you gave me half a point earlier. That's true. All right, so one and a half points. All right, question number five. Who is the author of the book, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Ken Kesey. There you go. All right, two and a half points. Question number six. What were the names of the two women that snuck in for the party? Rose and Candy. Three and a half points for Allison. Oof. Question number seven. How many patients were in Nurse Ratchet's ward? 18. Four and a half points? Yeah. Four and a half points for Allison. Well, you're actually doing better than I expected. <laughs> well, in fact... Now <laughs> I won't. Thank you for the jinx. All right. Well, yeah, actually, you're not going to get this question, so good luck. <laughs> now I super want to get it. <laughs> question number eight. Uh-huh. What was the name of the boat used during the fishing trip? You know where you're going to get this one. The minnow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, no, I was like, I was like, uh, I was going Gilligan's Island, so that's the same. I'll give you another guess. I mean, unless you are just random guessing. I was just random guessing. Okay. It's the Hayek. Oh, okay. The Selma. Yeah. Selma. Question number nine, you're four and a half points. Question number nine, what is the name of Nurse Ratchet's nurse assistant? Miss. Pennybottom? <laughs> don't, don't tell me, please. <laughs> I want to say Miss Julie. Incorrect. She was Miss Pilbo. Pilbo. Oh. Pilbo. That's a terrible name. Yes, it's not a very good one, is it? Pilbo. <laughs> they call me Pilbo. Baggins? Pilbo Baggins. <laughs> I dispense <laughs> drugs. <laughs> you get Tic Tacs today. <laughs> <laughs> You've been naughty. You only get Tic Tacs. <laughs> <laughs> you get a mentos. <laughs> you, have, you have wronged me. Patience, stay fresh. <laughs> All right. And finally, question number 10. This is not a pity question, so prepare yourself. What actor played R.P. McMurphy? Jack Nicholson. I'm afraid that's correct. So uh, <laughs> that's five and a half points for Allison. Come on, people. Give it up. Five and a half. I didn't think she'd get nearly as many. Five and a half. Against all the odds, she got tons of questions right. You deserve a prize. I still failed. So you, the listener, how many questions did you get right? Talk about it on the RDR community. Yeah. Is Zach asking fair questions? <laughs> you tell us. I mean, the answer is yes. <laughs> is so, it though? Yeah, pretty fair. <laughs> uh, all right. Now we're moving on to Act 3 movie. Analysis. 
Alarm. Alarm. My nostalgia rating was a six out of ten, mm. uh, which deals with my my heart and emotions. My real, which is I believe the the critical merit of the film, I gave an eight out of ten. Mm. And uh, I gave Zach a seven seven split. A seven seven split. Now I am curious what uh, I think you liked it seven and I think you thought it meritly was also a seven. So in my heart you think I would say seven. Yes. And uh critically you think I'd say mm, seven. Yes. Very assumed. Very seven. Yes. Well, very interesting. Shall we get into the timestamps then? Let's do. Let's do. So just everything in the the setup of this scene is so quiet and tranquil and together and organized. And now we have Jack Nicholson entering into the building, Art McMurphy um, entering into the building, and he's being taken out of handcuffs and entering this world of medicinally induced tranquility. And I guess Jack Nicholson won that feud between them because he came in and they were much more calm than after he was there. So having heard so much about this movie for so many years before seeing it, I was expecting this. There is the kiss. So when I watched this last night, because I had forgotten so much about this film. Yeah. I was so startled. It reminded me of our intro today because it was quiet, la la la, then suddenly, (laughs) But I was expecting this uh, hospital to look much more grimy and dour than it does. I mean, it's bland and it's got bars over windows and stuff like that, so it's not a great looking place, but, you know, this was the 70s. I can't imagine most people's homes looked a lot better than this. Shots fired at the boomers. So the nurse assistant, Mrs. Pilbo, or Miss Pilbo, Mm -hmm. Miss Pilbo, Mrs. Pilbo Baggins, she has a face. She does, in fact. She (laughs) was not born without a face. That reminds me of uh, what's the guy from Mr. Robot and the the movie about Uh, Rami Malek. Yeah, Rami Malek. Yeah, her face looks like Rami Malek's face. Well, that's gonna be distracting. She's got real big bulging eyes like that, and her face is kind of just the same shape and everything. She just looks like Rami Malek. Mm. Maybe it's her his mother. So as we're going through, there there were faces in here that I didn't until watching it this time around finally recognize, like Danny DeVito. I did not recognize as Danny DeVito until this watching it this time around, or um, even Billy Bibbit as our favorite worm tongue. So I did not recognize Wormtongue. He's so little here, like just so innocent. And- well, and usually I see him with black hair. Yeah. But I did recognize Danny DeVito, and I can't blame you for not having recognized him when you were in what high school or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would you have seen him in? So, well, Penguin. That's Penguin. Well, he's in heavy makeup. <laughs> no, I, I would have seen him. Oh, also in uh, Matilda. True. But I was familiar with DeVito, but I was not... Uh, in this one, he looks so youthful, but certain head angles and certain times I could see DeVito. It was really only those certain angles because for the most part, he looked very different in this. Extremely. Just so young. Oh, God, he was a baby. Yeah. He was, a baby. He was uh, 31 when they filmed this. Wow, he was <laughs> not a baby then, but well, ba- my God, baby he, did compared he... To- <laughs> baby, yeah, compared to now on Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's... 
going around looking for whores. <laughs> Did you hear about the, uh, there was a girl who took his cutout to prom and I think he surprised her. <laughs> no, I had not heard about that. That's pretty good. All right. So this is 11 minutes in and this is Nicholson's talk with uh, the doctor, whatever his name is. Yeah. And so one of the things that I would like to point out here is we are setting him up to not be a likable guy. He is not supposed to be a good hero. He's someone who is repulsive yeah. um, and has some very bad tendencies. He starts fights, the statutory rape in which he was arrested last. Like, he has but that's no- not the worst part of that. He seems almost proud of it. Oh, yeah. And, and that, we'll get into that in this clip. But um, yeah. we're, we're setting him up to not be so likable. So why do we end up feeling so bad for him? I don't like, know what this we is you're talking about. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I'd never felt bad for him. I thought he was a cunt for the whole movie. <laughs> yes. I, I sympathized with Nurse Ratchet during this movie. Holy moly. Yeah, we're, we definitely... <laughs> she's evil. Why? Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, other than the very end where she is like shaming Grima Wormtongue for, no. uh, for having sex. Other than that, what is evil about what she's done? Oh, her complete passive aggressive behavior. That makes those, a person those, evil. Well, the way she does it, yeah, she's she's belittling and dehumanizing these patients. I never got an instance of that, except for the very end. Not with Cheswick with a cigarette scene. You didn't think like purposefully ignoring him and humiliating him. The one patient who so no, I mean, I did. I definitely got her habit of exacerbating people's conditions. But I saw that as unintentional. Oh, I saw it as intentional. It's a control thing. Her whole life is control over these situations. Now, you know, I learned more about her in the book, so maybe that is skewing my judgment. I think so. Yeah. And, so, I, and I think that as with so many other classic movies, not only did the book skew your judgment, but everybody else's opinions. This movie's been in the popular, you know, zeitgeist for however many decades. Everybody's had the same opinions talked over so many times everyone just accepts them as fact I d- she seemed kind of all right like yes she was passive aggressive yes she wasn't great at her job yes she has a control problem she did not seem evil until the very end like when she when she was shaming uh, him for having sex and, i thought that was weird and blatantly saying i will tell your mother because we're friends like- right yeah i thought that was that was off that you know that was pretty bad no there there was there was other things in there that i read as not therapeutic and if you are in this institution and you're trying to help people you need to be therapeutic yeah well and but i also read that as this is the 70s you know who really has sympathy people are just like hey the crazy people and just you know either throw them in jail or kill them i don't care but get them away from me i thought this is probably as good as it got you know in the 70s but that doesn't make it good for the 70s i'm saying oh for now, yeah, fire her. You know, what, what are you going to do in the 70s? Yeah. Well, so let's watch the clip where we form our judgment about McMurphy. All right. Oh, uh, well, I really don't know, Doc. It says here that you went Ain't around. to me, you know. Well, just take a look. Ain't up His eyebrows me. are out of control. One. So uh, apparently, because they wanted to go for the kind of cinema verite feel, this was actually the first time he was reading his list of stuff. So it's not like he's pretending to read that paper. He's he's literally actually taking in what he's done on the spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's an interesting fact. Two, yeah. three, four. You've got at least five arrests for assault. Yeah. What can you tell me about that? Five fights, huh? 
Rocky Marciano's got 40 and he's a millionaire. That's true. That is true. Of course, it's true that you went in for statutory rape. That's true, is it not, uh, this time? Absolutely true. But, Doc, she was 15 years old, going on 35, Doc, and uh, she told me she was 18. She was uh, very willing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I practically had to take to sewing my pants shut. But uh, between you and me, uh, she might have been 15. Would you get that little red beaver right up there in front of you? I don't think it's crazy at all, and I don't think you do either. I hear what you're saying. No man alive would resist that. Okay, so Gross. Uh, disgusting, but the doctor smiled permissively and like nodded his head. He's like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that, and I don't think any man alive would either. And he's just kind of like smiling and nodding and looking back at the paper like, yeah, I guess so. And also the way that the doctor was listing off his uh, misdeeds, he was like, so I heard that uh, you, you talk back to your superiors. So it's basically like back sass. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, is that on my list of charges? And then he's like, and laziness. You're lazy at work. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, oh, and you get into fights. There are five fights on your arrest record. And it's like, okay, well, that makes sense to bring up well, I think if, the for, talking... for this context. But then he's like, and then statutory rape of a 15-year-old girl. Why did it go in ascending order of craziness? <laughs> well, I mean, after you say the the statutory rape, I mean, it's all downhill from there i guess well yeah but start with the reason we're here uh, the, the reason we're here is because you're a child rapist right and you seem okay with it and i seem okay with it I I, i'm gonna check myself into my own hospital maybe you know in the 70s maybe 16 year olds were still getting married hey you see you're, you're <laughs> saying that that's cool but nurse ratchet can't be a little bit uh nurse ratchet will never be cool she's a she's pretty cool no Hey, she got up in her bare knickers to prove that she was uh, no, Louise and, Fletcher did. Well, Nur same Nurse Ratchet did not. Same thing. <laughs> and that's why I got in the jail to begin with. And now they're telling me I'm crazy over here because I don't sit there like a goddamn vegetable. Don't make a bit of sense to me. If that's what being crazy is, then I'm senseless, out of it, gone down the road, wacko. But no more, no less. That's it. Well, to be honest with you, McMurphy... What it says here. <laughs> I did not that. notice that on first viewing. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> but he like slammed a bug or something yeah. on his desk yeah. and the doctor <laughs> just pulled a weird little face. He's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. His great. little facial tick there said a whole lot. Yeah. They think, they think you've been faking it in order to get out of your work detail. What do you like, think about that? Do I look like that kind of guy to you, Doc? <laughs> yes, yeah. to be quite frank. <laughs> well, let's just be frank for a minute, All right. Randall. If you you be frank, I'll be Randall. Tell me, do you think there's anything wrong with your mind, really? Not a thing, Doc. I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science. <laughs> what a line. Well. Well. You're going to be here for a period for us to evaluate you. We're going to study you. Mm -hmm. We'll make our determinations as to what uh, we're going to do right. and give you the necessary treatment. Uh, as Doc, let me just tell you. Let me ask you this. I've paused it on Jack Nicholson's face. Mm -hmm. Was Do you think he was ever an attractive person 
at any age? Not classically handsome, no. Any kind of way. He's extremely intense. And He's got good intense eyes, good eyebrows. I, I, I do not personally find him attractive, no. That's fine. I'm just curious. Bliss, I'm here to cooperate with you 100%. 100%. I'll be just right down the line. I think it's because he scares me. I think we ought to <laughs> get to the bottom of uh, R.P. McMurphy. Like, that, that face. What is that face? That oh. <laughs> was a very, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a creepy little face. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, a, he's a creepy, he's a creepy guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> so. And what is your hairdo all about? Oh, you're looking at Nurse, Nurse Ratchet's Ratchet, hairdo? Yeah. Uh, apparently it was intentionally shaped to look like devil horns. I didn't get devil horns. I don't know. She kind of looks like she's um, or at least tw- that's, what, that's what I read in, in some of the trivias. Mm. But yeah, I kind of disagree. I don't think it looks like devil horns. And I don't think she's a demonic person. No, I think it just kind of, it looks kind of like a Joan Crawford thing. Anyway, so yeah, this is Jack Nicholson teaching tall guy how to play some b-ball. Raise the hands up. Here, up. Raise your hands up. Up. That's it. That's it. Up. All the way up. All the way up. That's a baby. All right. Huh? Okay, now. Uh, now, jump up in the air and so put I, it in the basket, Chief. I kind of didn't get the relationship between Jack Nicholson's character and the main, like, ward or guard or whatever he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's very antagonistic towards him. I never understood that. In the books, oh gosh, it's been so long. So I am by no means an expert of the book, but I think they do expound upon it more in the book that McMurphy finds ways to antagonize him intentionally. Okay. And he has more than one escape attempt in the book. Jump up and dunk it in. Jump up in the air and stuff that son of a bitch in there, Chief. Take a rest, Chief. Just stay right there. Take a rest. I'll be right back. Oh, Mancini, come here a minute. You're looking all right. Get right over here for a second. Now just stand right there. Let's get down a little bit. All right, stand up. Stand up. Go ahead. That's a baby. All right, you got her. All right. Now over there. Wait. Hit me, Chief. I got the moves. I got him, Chief. All right, so Jack Nicholson's on top of another tall fella, and we the had- The one who's tired. He's always, I'm so tired. But uh, we had Nurse Ratchet, Ratchet, looking at it. I always say Nurse Ratchet because that was in Futurama. <laughs> well, also, you know, Ratchet is now what we call people who are looking busted or ugly. I had no idea. Yeah. When is this, when has this become a thing? I don't know. I just heard on On Track Race, so I assume that it's passing through the layers of popularity. Perhaps. It just <laughs> hasn't reached me here at the bottom of Cool Town. <laughs> But I don't I'm care the, about being cool, so I'm, I'm the, really cool, right? I'm in the slums of Cool Town. Yeah, I know, but I'm in the slums because I don't mind. I don't care. You people can be cool. What do you mean, you people? All of you people. The cool ones? Yeah. <laughs> everyone cooler than me, I don't care about you. But everyone that's less cool than me, I lord it over them. <laughs> that's how I do. That checks. Uh, anyway, so Nurse Ratchet d- Mm-hmm. was uh, looking out of the window down at the proceedings of them trying to play some b-ball. Not emoting whatsoever. Right. So what do you what do you take that to mean? She's observing, maybe trying to study your foes. Right. She, I, I just never got evil from her. Like, it seemed like she saw him for what you even described him as, an agent of chaos. 
and she's trying to understand him. And she's an agent of perfect order. Right. Like, she's lawful good. That's what she is. And she, yeah, she wants to find, she wants to know him, assume so that she can find a way to control him. Mm Mm-hmm. And not, not not in an evil way, but in a, in a way that she can, I would assume she doesn't want him to affect everyone else in a negative way. But she doesn't see that her way isn't necessarily the Positive. best or even good. Right. Yeah. And I agree with that. And so trying to break someone to your will because you believe in the absolutism of your own goodness. I, guess, I mean, yeah, there's a problem with absolute belief in yourself or anything else. She she's lawful good in the sense that she believes in the rule of the law without any kind of wavering in absolutism. And that absolutism was reminiscent just of kind of a very, it's very militaristic. So again, I, I agree that I don't think that the, her methods are particularly effective or good. But what I will say is I, I don't think that she's evil and especially her wishing to control him because he is an agent of chaos. But consequentialism is, well, so we can say that, what is it? Kantian to say that you do the most good because seemingly from the word of the law, it is, it is to be good. Even if the outcomes aren't good, there is a good action. See, and a consequentialist would say the most good is what the consequence will be the most good for the most amount of people. And there's compatibilism, which is kind of a hybrid between the two. And I find myself to be a compatibilist. So saying that she is evil because the outcome is not good. It just it seems like her approach so innately lacks empathy or caring. Maybe her intention is good, but the execution and the way she does it it just seems like she's... I don't think empathy is necessary. And in fact, I think empathy can hurt you in this field. I think sympathy can be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, she's and com- not sympathetic or and com- compassionate. And compassion yeah. is, is good. But empathy, actually trying to feel the feelings of somebody else and letting that drag you down, especially in this line of work, what might be detrimental. Oh, yeah. I can never work here or in a senior care facility for that reason yeah. because... It's like stepping on gum to quote, you know, the conjuring. Like part of that comes with me, that pain, mm. and stays with me. Except and gum, you can scrape off. Gum, you can just put the good peanut butter I, on it. I think was that the scene where he was like mansplaining her really good explanation? Yeah, it's like gum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that scene bothered me. <laughs> but um, anyway, so uh, in the way that Ratchet is just, she just seems like she is lacking humanity in the way that she presents things. Like it's just, and maybe she's learned over time that she has to be stoic and not show emotion. Yeah. But the way that it presents from us seeing it as the first time watching these circle therapy sessions, like it just seems, it seems cruel to me. See, I, again, I never got cruelty. I did get that she was exacerbating people's problems sometimes. And and other times I felt like she, might have been aiming like she knew what she was doing and knew it might be exacerbating something short term, mm-hmm. but it was in the effort to get them to realize something about themselves or whatever. Maybe I'm reading into that more than there actually was, but I, I feel like give there's an there's room for giving her the benefit of the doubt instead of just parroting what everybody else says that she's just being evil for evil's sake and I and and cruel and whatever. And I just never got that. And maybe it's not for the sake of evil, but it is for the sake of her benefit and for the control. So it's not like 
evil so she can torture and hurt these patients. I don't think her intention is to do those things. But so I, I, I guess my, my next timestamps kind of speak to what I was witnessing with her behavior. And maybe we should go on to see sure. those. Yeah. yeah. And in that scene, McMurphy is trying to get Ratchet to turn the music down. And this is an example of where I, I feel like watching her control and her lack of emotions. I, I don't know, like her, when she smiles, it doesn't reach her eyes. Uh, another thing to note, when he first comes into the ward, they're all playing Pinochle and he teaches them to play 21 Blackjack. <laughs> Poker's Mark's game. Does he barely know her? So he, he actually plays real poker, like he's played tourneys. Has he won money? Yes. He's also lost money. I'd like to play him. Yeah. I bet I could win. I, I think I would like to watch the bluff game between you two because I think he does stoic very well. Yeah, but I can... I, I stay I, behind him and like, his nostrils are flaring. Yeah, Go for it. But I can... Kill, no, kill. but I'll, I'll make every hand look amazing. I'd, I'd be interested to watch. All right. Stay back. It's Rami Malek. Stay back. Patients aren't allowed in the nurse's station. Well, I just <clears throat> wanted to... Uh, to when you're outside, we'll discuss whatever problem you have, okay? The patients are not allowed in the nurse's station, all right? Yes, ma'am. I did find that the pat on the back from her, I seriously, was pretty, I guess, condescending, but yeah, infantilizing. All right, thank you. Uh, excuse me, miss. Do you think it might be possible to turn that music down so maybe a couple of the boys could talk? That music is for everyone, Mr. McMurphy. Yeah, I know, but you think we might ease it down a little bit so maybe the boys didn't have to shout? Huh? What you probably don't realize is that we have a lot of old men on this ward who couldn't hear the music if we turned it lower. And that doesn't just, the way she's talking doesn't just grate you a little bit. Uh, no, because, I mean, that's a legitimate reason. Yeah, it, it. but if I presented everything as I'm doing right now, Zachary, don't you think that this would get on your nerves? Well, coming from you, yes. <laughs> but she always talks that way. But Zachary, yeah. don't you think that if we try to do things my way... I've got a gun on you. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a comeback for when you start mansplaining to me. <laughs> I've got a gun on you? Now Zachary. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will gouge out your eye. <laughs> <laughs> you little shit, I shit you not. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That was one of two good laughs in that movie. <laughs> I knew it stuck with you. <laughs> the, this little thumb motion he yes. had was just great. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> and I'll stab you with forks. <laughs> Don't yell at him. <laughs> I do this for a living. Come down here, you little shit. <laughs> anyway, but no, I it's, uh, I guess, condescending, but also it's in response to the way he's acting. He's acting like a jerk. Okay, so when he went behind the thing that was breaking the rules, yeah. he left, went around, and, you know, played by her game. Excuse me, miss. Can I we... I think it's because we already know Jack Nicholson, mm -hmm. but every sentence he speaks, especially to her... Is just he, he's being condescending. He's being a jerk all the time. Every sentence he's being a jerk to someone. Mm -hmm. I I think the way she's handling it is fine. You know, we should just separate the two of them, and I think they both be better for it. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, Grima Wormtongue wouldn't end up dead at the end. That music is all they have. 
Your hand is staining my window. See, it's a little much. But also, I blame him for his death, for Grima Wormtongue's death. Not her. Well, yeah, he, he could have person. Yeah, well, that. And he could have just escaped like it was his plan to do. But no, he, he on the way out, he was like, nah, I'm going to get my boy here hooked up. I'm yeah. going to have him sex up a lady real quick. And then he drunkenly falls asleep on the floor. Yeah. Dude, come on. That's his fault. Sorry. And he was acting for for 70 days of the labor for prison. He would have been out. What's a right. horse pill? It's just medicine. It's good for you. Yeah, but I don't like the idea of taking something if I don't know what it is. Look, what Rami Malik offers you, you take. I'm not getting upset, Miss Pilbo. It's just that I don't want anyone to try and slip me salt, Peter. <laughs> all right and he mimes masturbating under the thing yeah he's a real stand-up guy i never said he was a stand-up guy i'm sure we can arrange that he can have it some other way but i don't think you'd like it mr mcmarthy <laughs> sorry i just like the classes guy behind <laughs> it. i do like him looking back at him that was very good i mean jack nicholson's a great actor obviously that would have made him do the under the tongue check. Very good. See, th- mm, yummy. <laughs> so in the book, she was a military nurse, and some of her behaviors explained that it was common for military nurses to be hard lined this way, and it makes that sense makes in the military. It, yeah, yeah, sure, that makes her make even more sense. It makes it more sense, but it doesn't mean it's good. Well, I, uh, she was a was she a psychiatric nurse for the military? No, just like a field nurse. Well, I mean, so that skill set is definitely good for that. Harsh combat situations. Yeah. But yeah, her coming in here, she's probably, that's probably not the right mindset for coming in here. As I've said, it, you know, it's Fire not. Fire her. She doesn't have a good disposition for the well-being of her patients, but evil. And, you know, that that can be my my personal reaction to her because I've known people like her. So in my eyes, they were always evilish. Not good, sympathetic human beings. Like the the artifice of it just, it hurts. It it hurt me to act like her to you. It did? Yes, Zachary, it did. So I think that we should continue with our program so we can end recording. You think we should continue this podcast? Yes, I think. You think we can do that? Is that all right with you? I think we should. And I I think that that's all right with me too. I just wanted to check with you. Are you all right with that? You know, I'm glad you see my way of thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was going to continue for that. (laughs) It just kept reversing who had the power in the conversation. (laughs) That was really entertaining. (laughs) To me, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm glad you've come around to my way of thinking. You're welcome. (laughs) I don't know how to reverse it again. You know, and part of that could be my empathy training from work, <laughs> just like to to get someone to yield to you. Like we we have ten techniques that we use to try to de-escalate a situation. Yeah, have you have you had cause to use them? Oh yeah, all the, I use them all the time. Nice. So my next time clip, kind of showing this lack of sympathy, not empathy, just kind of lack of emotional connection to the patients she's treating is at the next circle table therapy and she's asking Billy Bibbit to relive what preluded his first suicide attempt, which was a rejection by a girl. Why didn't you tell her about it? Billy, wasn't that the first time you tried to commit suicide? Oh my God. 
Yes, Mr. Cheswick. Miss Ratchet, I'd like to ask you a question, please. Go ahead. Okay, uh, you know, if uh, Billy doesn't feel like uh, talking, I mean, uh, why are you pressing him? Why, why can't we go on to some new business, huh? The business of this meeting, Mr. Cheswick, is therapy. Oh. Well, you know, I, I don't understand this, Miss Ratchet, because uh, I know uh, Mr. McMurphy, he said something yesterday about a, a World Series, a baseball game. You know, and I've never been to a baseball game, and, well, I think I'd like to see one. And well, that'd be good therapy, too, wouldn't it, Miss Ratchet? I thought we decided that issue. Well, I, uh, I, I don't think so, because, I mean, we uh, discussed that yesterday, and uh, we have a, a new game today, I think, don't we, Mac? That's right, Jess, and we want a new vote on it, don't we? Would one more vote satisfy you, Mr. McMurphy? Yeah. It'll satisfy me. Like, he's very obviously being, you know, a jerk and acting out. And she is not stupid. She's picking up on that. And she's like, all right. But will it, one more vote do it for you? But it was brought up by the more sympathetic character of Cheswick. But she knows that it's coming from him. Right, but I, I also thought that there was bravery and sensitivity in Cheswick because Cheswick is oh, sure. a very oversensitive person. And so the fact that he actually brought himself up to try to help Billy, I thought for, for him, that was courageous. And mm -hmm. so it, the, the way that this scene plays out, I, I, I feel like it's a setup for a no win. You think this is the Kobayashi Maru? No, not, not a Kobayashi Maru, because she holds all the cards. She will win. Okay. She will win, and she will make sure she will win. So she is the simulation. She is the Kobayashi Maru. She's the Borg. She's the Kobe. Well, it wasn't the Borg at well, the time, because yeah, this no, is I, original series. Yeah, no, I know. I just, well, <laughs> actually, it couldn't have been the Borg, because in the timeline... Well, Mr. Zachary. <laughs> yeah. In this, don't you see that she is trying to just get control however she can? Yeah, I thought that was pretty obvious. Yeah, I think we all saw that, didn't we, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you agree with me? Uh, no, I think you agree with us. No. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the use of no that makes me lose that. Yeah. No. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> There's a vote before the group. Everyone in favor of changing the schedule, please raise your hand. Okay, I want to see the hands. Did you notice Doc Come Brown? On. Yeah. One of you nuts has got any guts. So in this time around, everyone who is participating in the, the round therapy eventually All raises right. their hand. Sit. I only count nine votes, Mr. McMurphy. <laughs> he only counts nine. Only nine. It's a landslide. <laughs> <laughs> there are 18 patients on this ward, Mr. McMurphy. And you have to have a majority to change ward policy. So you gentlemen can put your hands down. Now. And I will say, I mean, she's very officious. And this is, you have to have a majority to change ward policy is a rule she just made up, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like That's this is official. That's according to the rules that I just made up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was setting up a 
Except they couldn't win. These, these poor son of a bitches, they don't know what we're talking about. Well, I have to disagree with you, Mr. McMurphy. These men are members of the war, just as you are. And she's right about that. All right, all I need is one vote, right? Right? All right. And she is allowing this to happen. I mean, she's not a terrible person. She could have just shut them down. She knew they were never going to raise their hands. You, know, you want to no, watch a baseball game? Wrong. You want to watch baseball? Just raise that hand up. Just raise the hand up. And even when he got that last vote, she still didn't count Sorry. it. Yeah, but the voting Mancini, had been closed. old horse. What do you say? You want to watch the ball Zachary. game on TV? Huh? Want to watch the ball game? Yeah. Baseball? World Series? And she what set the rules. She didn't give a time just limit, did she? Uh, and in that way, <laughs> is it fair? It was within the confines of this meeting, and what once the meeting you? has adjourned, then the voting is closed. But do you That's believe her arbitrarily early closing of the meeting was perhaps incendiary in nature? I think that you are making undue assumptions, saying that yeah. it was an arbitrary closing. But Zachary, stars. Oh, yes. don't you think that he is passionately voicing needs that could potentially benefit the more cognitive functioning patients that would not necessarily disturb the other patients within the group? I think that they have to move as one ward <laughs> and because they only have a limited amount of staff. <laughs> All right, just wait a minute, will you? Just one minute. You can bring the subject up again tomorrow. All right, Chief. You're our last chance. What do you say, huh? Just raise your hand up. That's all we need from you today, Chief. Just raise your hand up one time. Show her that you can do it. Just show her that you can still do it. Just raise your hand up. All the guys have got him up. Just raise your hand up, Chief, will you? Huh? Come on, there's got to be one guy in here that's not a total fucking nut. Mac? Chief! The chief! Ah! Chief! Where's <laughs> Ratchet? Where's Ratchet? Look! Look! The chief put his hand up! The chief put his hand up. Look, he voted. Would you please turn the, would you please turn the television See, now on? you can tell the that she's angry. Hand up right there. Let's have a look. Chief voted now. Would look at our eyebrows. turn the television set on? Mr. McMurphy, the meeting was adjourned and the vote was closed. But the vote was 10 to 8. The chief, he's got his hand up. Look. No, Mr. McMurphy. When the meeting was adjourned, the vote was 9 to 9. Ah, oh, come on. You're not going to say that now. You're not going to say that now. You're going to pull that hen house shit now. When the vote, the chief just voted, it was 10 to 9. Now, I want that television set turned on right now. I will agree. That her not granting him that that vote counts is uh it's powerful. It, it it's feels, either power th- or or she just had never intended on allowing this. I I think that's also possible that she had never intended to yield because it's against the schedule. Well, but also I c- I can see her making case now. I think all of this was mishandled, mm-hmm. but I can totally see her case for not wanting to take them to a ball game. Yeah. Because, I mean, these are people who are either dangerous by themselves or a danger to others or, you know, whatever. And so keeping them in a controlled environment is the whole point of this facility. Mm-hmm. So taking them to a ball game is probably not the best idea. But again, mishandled. I don't know why she allowed this vote to go forward and whatever. 
Koufax. Koufax kicks. He delivers. It's up the middle. It's a base hit. Richardson is rounding first. He's going for second. The ball's in the deep right center. Davidson over in the corner. Cut the ball off. Here comes the throw. Richardson rounding first. He goes into second. He slides. He's in there. He's safe. It's a double. He's in there, Martin. You look at Richardson. He's on second base. Kovacs is in big fucking trouble. Big trouble, baby. All right. Here's Tresh is the next batter. Tresh looks in. Kovacs. Kovacs gets the signs from Roseboro. He kicks once. He pumps. He fires. It's a strike. Kovacs' curveball is stabbing off like a fucking firecracker. All right. Here he comes for the next pitch. Tresh swings. It's a long fly ball. And he left center. Wiener before I die. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. Give me a fucking wiener before I die. So her eyes, like, just... She's losing control. Yeah. And yeah, I think, She's upset at the loss of control. So I, I think that it's through that loss of control you can see her maliciousness. But not just for her own jollies. I think that she wants to keep a, a tight control on everything for the good of the patients. And he's le- having everyone go kind of nuts just there. So wouldn't you think that in this scene where they're talking about relinquishing him to a different ward or back to the prison, she should have... Jumped at the chance to get him out yeah. if he was causing so much problem? Well, If, he, if she didn't want an opportunity to break him. Possibly that. And also possibly she genuinely thought he was needing of help. Possibly. Again, it's the the way she does not show compassion that makes it hard for me to believe that her motivations are compassionate. I, I it, it, But it may maybe, not be compassion. It may just be a professional evaluation. I don't know. She just, I would not want to be on her ward. I don't think I would either. <laughs> I also have nightmares of being in an asylum and people not believing that I'm sane. So there's that. <laughs> See, I thought that that's where this was going to go. Like the whole movie, I was making predictions from the beginning, like what I thought the storyline was going to be like. And I, I expected twists. I thought there were going to be twists. No twists. Twist. No twisty no, the no, clown. There was no twist. Not even one twist. No twist. There was a, not even one twist. <laughs> I don't know what that game was, but it was fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs> so my next one's 49. Disco. Disco's dead. And I'm the one that killed it. Did you know that the anti-disco movement actually started as an anti-LGBTQ movement? I did not. So, uh, dis- well, this is getting us off track. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so, discos were seen where people could mingle and dance and be flamboyant and kind of come as you are, especially in New York. Like, it, it was very costumey, theatrical, and... So at Studio 54, like that is actually where a lot of popular gay culture was able to really be expressed. And the anti-disco movement was anti that flamboyancy and has links to the anti-gay and LGBTQ groups. I'll tell you this. I didn't actually know that there was an organized uh, murder of disco. I thought it just petered out like any fad. No, so it, it started from a single radio host, but it spearheaded into kind of a, a movement. Uh, the the anti-disco stuff? Yeah, because it, it was anti-wholesome and anti-pure. As they saw disco? Yes. Okay, interesting. I learned this recently and hadn't realized how deeply enrooted disco was to the survival of gay culture. Well, let me ask you this. As a gay man, can you tell me why disco never came back? Once gay culture started to become more mainstream. Well, in some ways, panic has come back at discos. 
there's a lot of panic surrounding the idea of discos. I, I'd imagine right now there is a pandemic going on. So if there's a <laughs> congregation of many people thrusting and sweating on each other, I'm not sure. And I, I'm just waiting for someone to chime in at something at my wedding. Do you think that we, we should all break out in disco dance at your wedding? Oh, no, I was just, I was quoting Panic at the Disco. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, do I know a Panic at the Disco song? Probably. They were very popular for a very long time. I know, well, I, all my friends were into it, but I, I... You were never an emo baby? I was like, I was a hybrid. I was like emo goth skater yeah. sort of dude. The I chime in with the haven't you people never heard of... Please edit this out. <laughs> no, finally got you to sing. <laughs> I think I know that song, but I don't you, know. You would probably recognize the, the kind of... We'll have to cue it up so you can hear it proper. So I always thought that there was a song that I did like that I thought was Panic at the Disco and I found it recently wasn't. It was Fallout Boy. I think. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think it was Fallout Boy. Down, down, sugar, we're going to swing. Yeah. Down, down, and running around. And sugar, we're going out swinging. <laughs> I'll be your number one with a bullet. A loaded gun complex, I couldn't pull it. Beautiful. Thank you. I want to dye my hair black. <laughs> <laughs> and purple. And purple. Tips of purple. Uh, 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 or blue or green. Precisely, precisely. But yes, Or a red. I like that song. I, I groove on it, man. But I'll tell you this. I don't know that I know a, a panic song. Or if I I don't know that I've ever liked a panic song. It, again, it's you probably do. So for me, my flavor was always my chemical romance over Panic at the Disco. Mm. I never listened to them a lot either. I had friends that listened to them. And it's not that I resisted them. I just don't think I ever really gave them a chance. You know, after, after this recording... Perhaps we should do an emo education session. I like the sound of this. Is my always a Lincoln Park guy though? Oh, I love Lincoln Park. Yeah, Lincoln Park, System of a Down, Slipknot. They were my my my, my guys. And Corn, Corn was kind of an, a late addition. Make some high corn school. noises. No, not popcorn. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded more like a suction cup anyway. <laughs> I still got what you were going over. Now I was talking about the Jonathan Davis. Oh, because uh, I, I can make the noise that he makes, but I can't remember the pattern. Yeah. After, after this episode, we'll, we'll play. Right. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So we've got Nicholson. Nicholson. <laughs> we've got Nicholson talking to the head guys again about Nurse Ratchet being a meanie. A nurse, man. What do you mean, sir? Theory. She, um... Is awful. That guy looks like a weenie. <laughs> she ain't honest. Oh, now look, uh, Miss Ratchet's one of the finest nurses we've got in this institution. <laughs> well, I don't want to break up the meeting or nothing, but she's something of a cunt, ain't she, Doc? How do you mean that? She likes a rigged game, you know what I mean? So something that I picked up on was he says, you know what I mean? After almost all of his sentences, he said something vague and then, you know what I mean? And I, I have to say like 88% of the time, I have no idea what he means. Yeah, but when you're asked that question, you feel compulsive. Sure, sure. Well, and, and that's what this doctor does. He, yeah. he caves to social pressure. Well, you know, I've uh, been observing you here now for the last four weeks, and I don't see any evidence of mental illness at all and i think that you've been trying to put us on all this time well in the first meeting he had with this guy he asked if he thought there was anything wrong with his mind he said no mm -hmm. so in what way is he trying to put them on well they have to do their independent analysis because they thought nicholson was 
Nicholson. Nicholson was acting crazy at the workhouse. And so this has been all a test to see if he truly belongs here or if he's fit to be in the workhouse system, in which case they need to creatively get him to actually do the work. Right. But my point is he ne- he's never claimed to be mentally incompetent to do his tasks so why is he saying we think you're trying to put us on they think maybe his behavior at the workhouse was to gain entry into the psychiatric system so whether or not he was doing so willfully or not remains to be seen but i I guess weren't weren't the things that he did there to earn himself a spot here or or a candidate spot here being lazy belligerent back sassing yeah and getting into fights. Yeah, that he was unstable or unfit in some way. So, like, he never argued that he was sane or anything like that. So, he this is a vacation to him. Oh, yeah. No, and I get that. And I get that he is trying to put them on. But I don't understand. On paper, that doesn't sound like it means anything. Like, you're in the workhouse and you're back-talking people and you got into a couple fights. And you're lazy. You should be in a psych ward. Yeah. I don't get the, the connection there. I, I think they get more into the behaviors he was exhibiting in the books that they didn't really tap into here. Um, right. The way that they described him in the movie, it just seemed like he was suffering some ennui. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like when he was listing his stuff until they got to the rape, I was like, I, he seems fine. <laughs> well, I, I believe that in this case, they probably could have expounded upon that he was trying to act make himself act more crazy to get into the nicer digs that he's in right now. Right. Yeah. I wish they had explained more of good reason why they would have sent him over here. (laughs) All right. So this is 5230 if you're following along at home. And by God, this is a scene where, you know, little McMurphy is trying to hop the fence and giddy on out of here. So let's watch, shall we? Because he wants to go for a little sailly sail with his lady lady. Hey, I don't blame him. Alright, so he's on top of Chief's shoulders, and ooh, climbing through the barbed wire and razor wire, grabbing onto the barbed wire, he is now fully entangled in barbed wire, he's grasping onto barbed wire and razor wire, he's just grabbing onto it, what is happening? Oh, so, um... Did they make their barbed wire out of bubble gum? This is, you know, if it if it was a hard bubble gum like the Big League Chew or something, he could do some damage. Still. <laughs> <laughs> but what is going on? How is he just able to climb that? I got shards of a bubble gum in my hand. <laughs> I'll never get it out. <laughs> this is part of me now. Oh no, it's grape. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Hey, grape is the best. It was not the- when it's in your hands. <laughs> It's not a grape situation. <laughs> it's going all the way to the bone. <laughs> anyway, how on earth did he climb over the razor wire? So nonchalantly. Yeah, I feel like he could have used his hat to kind of, or his jacket or something. Jacket or something, but God blast it. Like he was literally grasping onto it, like to stabilize himself. Just fine. He didn't care. <laughs> he did not care. And maybe that's uh, evidence of his craziness is that he I just think, grabs barbed wire for fun. I think so. Uh, also, this is all one shot. Him climbing up there, jumping onto the tree, and then jumping down. Mm-hmm. Camera didn't cut. Really good stunt. Surely this has got to be, and I know your name's not Shirley, but a uh, this is a stunt double. Defo was stunty. Yeah, because then they were able to kind of clip away and make the hat come off. Yeah, yeah. So, good stent, but why couldn't they have gone an extra layer of realism and not shown the protagonist walking over, climbing and, you know, scraping himself over razor wire only to be completely fine like and t- clothes untorn? 
you would have to ask the director. I think I will. Okay. Get him on the phone, please. <laughs> okay. Just bear with me one second. Actually, Google his number. Let's see if we can do this. <laughs> well, uh, let's see if he's still with us. Well, we'll, we'll call his estate if he's not. <laughs> he died in 2011. He missed your chance. Oh, God, blast it. Does he have a son or a daughter? He has four children. All right. Well, one of them has to have the answer. I don't know. I never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and nor should you. So oh, my next is one is. <laughs> yeah, and also the security there is kind of lax, don't you think? Oh, the, the three guards that they have and the one night guard. Yeah, they're right. terrible. So he just climbed over razor wire. That's physically impossible. But also nobody saw him do it. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness. They were playing basketball. Hey, what are you going to do? We're playing basketball. We can't always watch these people. So they go for a little booty ride, and then they come back, and we're now joining another group therapy session. So uh, on the subject of the boat, though, Danny DeVito says that he still gets seasick thinking about it. Oh, really? Apparently everybody, uh, every member of the crew and cast got completely seasick. They had to film for like four days on the boat, mm-hmm. but everyone was completely seasick and vomiting everywhere, except for Jack Nicholson. He was fine. He took the tram. I mean, he took all like of a it. Pro. He didn't need to. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just mainlined all of it. He's like, he's like, okay, pop those pills and then sticker, 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 sticker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, sorry, don't have any. I could possibly spare for you. <laughs> so after we get back from the boat, Jack Nicholson has a realization that because he's now been committed versus voluntarily being there. He's stuck there basically until he's released and he feels like people were goading him on to messing with Nurse Ratchet and she really does have all the power. So right. the power struggle tables have turned slightly and there's more, I believe, desperation in Nicholson. I, I mean, I kind of agree with him, although like just don't be a dick. <laughs> That's a, right. just a general good rule of thumb. Don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick and like you, this wouldn't have been a problem for you. In so many ways, if he wasn't, you wouldn't have been here. (laughs) Yeah. So in this scene, our ward is starting to get unruly at another circle meeting. Mr. Martini, how are we going to win our money back? That's the first time he sounds like Danny DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Martini, that's all over. (laughs) <laughs> you had obeyed the rules in the first place you wouldn't have lost your mind and then he loses his damn mind well his leg was on fire oh. there's, there's a simple solution for that like pull your pant leg down smack the cigarette out like something don't just run around screaming like a maniac I want you to know something right here and now, Miss Ratchet. I ain't no little kid. You said I ain't no little kid where you're going to have cigarettes kept for me like cookies. And I want something dead. Ain't that right? That's right. Now will you sit down? No, I won't. I won't. I want something dead. Sit down. I want something dead. I want something dead. I want something dead. I want something All right, so Nicholson just shattered through the window to grab his cigarettes, which the the door slides open. He could have just slid it open. But also, I've only seen this movie once until rewatching it just now. I was always expecting a twist. So I was kind of thinking maybe this guy, Cheswick, is an alternate personality of Jack Nicholson's. Hmm. And so, like, this is not Shutter Island. (laughs) 
that I thought this was I thought Shutter Island was going to have been like a remake of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting something big like that. So I yeah, I was like, okay, so maybe she's just seeing him act out in like different ways, but maybe she's the crazy one and these are all her personalities. We have nice Shyamalan this bitch. They're no, the, none of them are real. They're all their own grandfathers. They're all ghosts. <laughs> We're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> this is back in time. <laughs> Anyway. And he's gonna be alright. I don't understand. Why'd they just get into a fight? It made no sense. It's because I think he was trying to defend he would he doesn't know how to articulate well. It was weird because the scene started with him talking about now he knows exactly what he has to lose by acting up. Mm-hmm. And then he smashes a window and grabs cigarettes. I like what what kind of idiot is he? Well, I, I think, honestly, a lot of times I don't associate his type of criminal behavior with superior intelligence. That's a fair point. <laughs> and I, I think he is someone who has his entire life had to shoot his emotions from the hip. Like, he's never had to think about repercussions or recourse. And part of him, I think, just felt really bad for not just Cheswick but the other guys, because he saw this kind of overreaction in the way that they behaved. Granted, the one character who had the cigarette butt that was burning his leg he could have just handled that differently and had a different reaction. But I I think if a lot of the people that work in this ward just paused for a moment, these outcomes could be so different. Right. All right. So we've got this. This is Nicholson trying to leave the party. And uh, instead of just leaving. You want a date with him? (laughs) Jesus, that must be crazy to be in a lonely event like this. Date. Well, it'll have to be a fast date, I'll tell you that. Dude, just escape. Not now. Not now. When, then? Uh, um, when, when, when I have a free weekend. Too long. You've right watched now, her from the shadows. You've got something <laughs> to do. Good. Well, then don't talk to me about when no, you're no, ready. No, yeah, no. yeah. Mac, oh, Mac. yeah. Ready and no, everything no, like that. No. Candy, come here a minute. I'm gonna no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Candy, no, I want no, you to meet no. the famous Bill. Go get him, will you? Go get him, will you? <laughs> Go get him. You just escape. Why are you wasting your time? And All you gotta do is this one little thing. The kid's cute, isn't he? Yeah. Huh? All right, so he's hooking his lady up with this fella. Mm-hmm. So why is he doing this rather than leaving? And, oh, well, my point is, uh-huh. is she a prostitute? I'm assuming. That she's a prostitute. It's some some sort of lady of the evening or just very understanding. She's <laughs> What a wonderful way of summarizing a woman. She's either a prostitute or very understanding. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she's getting paid for this service. That is really good. I like that. <laughs> anyway, I uh, I was just kind of blown away by this because if it's his lady, mm-hmm. is it ever explicitly sh- said that she's a, a, a lady walker? No. Uh, so, sorry. Cir- circling back to... <laughs> Actually, I don't know how to say what I'm about to say. So, no. Let's just go on. Okay. 
uh, that's really all I had to say. I was going to call him a cold bastard for like, just like randomly letting his lady hook up with somebody else. But like, I knew it was kind of casual between them, but I'm not sure if it was Well, he explicitly said he wasn't hooking. going to, to marry her and like, it, she, yeah. it, she's his lady friend, but not. It, so it, it's kind of alluded like he's kind of casual with her. Yeah. You'd have to be pretty understanding to go to a mental institution to... So you think she is actually just really understanding and is like, all right, I'll sleep with this guy. He seems nice. I, I think that there's kind of a pimp and prostitute kind of relationship between them. There. Uh, interesting. Interesting. All right. So he's a bit of a pimp. He's a little bit of a pimp. He's an OG. This guy is an OG. Original gangster. Look at that. So this is the morning after everyone's coming into the ward. It is disheveled. Like there's decorations and stains and everyone's sleeping in unusual positions. The Hills Have Eyes guy is stained with juices and booze. And- Ooh, look at his booty. Yeah. I, never, uh, I don't think I ever freeze-framed that much. I didn't know that so much nudity was available. So Ratchet is searching for Billy one of the nurses finds him in the room. He's coming out and is desperately trying to put his clothes on and falls down to the ground. I really feel like he could have put his pants on before exiting the room. He didn't really save any time. <laughs> I do love the camaraderie, though. The camaraderie is actually kind of sweet. And I like how uncomfortably he smiles. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually kind of a sweet moment before it's not. Yeah, I will cry, just to warn you. Um, I can explain everything. Please do. Explain everything. Everything? (laughs) Aren't you ashamed? About what? No, I'm not. You know, Billy, what worries me is how your mother is going to take this. The realization washes over Billy as she stares coldly um, at him. Um, well, you, you, you don't, don't have to t- 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 tell her, Miss Ratchet. I don't have to tell her. Your mother and I are old friends, you know that. So, how old are we supposed to think he is? He looks like he's 20s. I would say old teens, early 20s. So I would say probably 19. He's here voluntarily. Mm -hmm. At the behest of his mother. But he could leave anytime he wants. He's of age and and all that. So, I I don't understand. Is is there not patient doctor confidentiality? So, I feel like in this environment, because he probably signed some of his rights away, so Mm. to speak. So, he may have signed that his mother has access to his medical records. She seems more like a nun here than a nurse. I don't understand why she's so wound up about sex. I feel like there's parallels. (sighs) Um, Please don't tell my don't you think you should have thought of that before you took that woman in that room? No, no. I, 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 I didn't. You mean she dragged you in there by force? She, 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 
she, she, she, she did. Everybody did. Everybody? Who did? You tell me who did. Murphy. Miss Ratchet. Please, please don't tell me. Mr. Warren. My mother, please. Would you see that the men are washed and ready for the day? Miss Ratchet, please, 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 please. He drops to his knees to beg her. Put Billy in Dr. Scobie's office. No, 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 no. Stay with him till the doctor arrives. No, no, no. Move it. Come on, Marcy. That we see Murphy's How he's affected the other. So she told someone to be with him until the doctor arrived. Oh, he said, um, make sure he stays in the room until the doctor arrives. I thought she said, make sure someone's with him. Hey, what the hell is that? Matt Murphy, what the hell are you doing? It's a really bad fake punch. Washington to the day room. Immediately. Down those keys and nobody gets hurt. Move away from the window and take that damn chief with you. looks out at the open window and then back at the room. The nurses come screaming at the room where Billy was. Let me through. Let me through. Billy's on the floor with an ashtray shard sticking out his neck. Get these people in here. Oh, Billy. Will you guys clear the door? Everybody out. All right. Everybody out. Oh, God damn it. Murphy's in a range. Now calm down. The best thing we can do is go on with our daily routine. All right? Murphy begins to strangle her. The men are telling him not to. No. That looks really convincing. He's knocked down on top of Nurse Ratchet.
So what what are your thoughts on that scene? So the the aftermath of that scene, we see Nurse Ratchet with a neck brace on, and that's supposed to be her humanizing moment. She's no lo- she's lost power in this because she's not seen as someone who had complete control and you can see that she's a little softer now that she has the neck brace. Like there's almost an increased softness to her. So in a way, McMurphy took away her power, but he also had to be punished and he lost all of his power and his freedom. He had the chance to escape in that chaos. I think he felt a responsibility for what happened with Billy. And so I think he was trying to, in his brutal streetwise way, trying to avenge him. Yeah. No, I mean, so not so much about Murphy. I think that's all I agree with you. But for Nurse Ratched, I'm I'm still hung up on why she cared so much about him having sex. I think that it wasn't so much, well, sex, obviously, on that floor would have been not something that they were allowed to do. If she believes that these men are mentally unwell, there's this thought or idea of, is it ethical to sleep with someone with a severe mental disorder that in Billy's case, I don't think, I I think he was a boy with a stutter who had extremely low self-esteem. I don't think he belonged in a ward like this. I mean, I I know that there was the uh, alluding to a suicide attempt or multiple suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. So I I think he was depressed, but I, I don't think having sex on, on a clinical ward is ever seen as a good thing. Well, yeah, I'm sure they don't encourage it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But But, saying I'm going to, tell your mommy because you had sex it's just weird i mean ultimately she knew that that was a a thing she had over him that was a control for him he was scared of disappointing mother yeah so that that was a card that she could play and she played it yeah because she wanted to show the others that i can come for any of you like this yeah well yeah obviously i think that was the worst thing she did in the movie Mm -hmm. but it was also mcmurphy's fault for not just leaving yeah also, he wasn't the only one that knew the plan that they needed to leave, right? He w- he got drunk and passed out. Mm-hmm. But why did the ladies not wake him up and be like, all right, we, we got to go? Maybe she got sleepy after. I don't know why Rose didn't wake up. Yeah. Because <laughs> Rose is just like out here amongst the uh, the other men. I didn't think about that before, but that is kind a of, weird. that's kind of a writing hole. Yeah. Story hole. But Everyone was drinking, having yeah. a good time meant to bring this up earlier when I was talking about Chief and the basketball and not understanding mime and stuff like that. Why is he in a mental ward? I honestly don't remember from the books. He's deaf, which isn't a cognitive problem. No, I I think that there was some crime that he was caught for, uh, something minor, but he was seen as needing therapies of some kind. I, I just honestly don't remember because it's been so long since I read the book. Right. And that has been One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You like it? Well, I was about to say, well, how do you like that? No, really. How, how do you, you like, like that? it? <gasps> it's not my turn. So act four, rose-tinted feels. Wait, feels is more of a... Nope. There. Well, it depends on the movie. <laughs> rose-tinted feels. Allison, was it as good as you remember when you were in high school? So this one was a strange one to rate because I feel like I understood more of it now and appreciated it more of it now. And, you know, I was able to, again, like Taxi Driver, now associate it more with references from this film and book series and uh, even recognize actors that I hadn't recognized before. So it was it was kind of a, a new experience with it. So when you originally saw it in high school, did you like it? Did you think it was very intense? I thought it was very intense. I remember liking it, but like most assigned readings, I feel like 
you always appreciate it more when you come back to it as a free agent. Right. When you're doing it for pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. It obviously stuck with me enough for me to suggest it for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, This was also uh, a podcast suggestion from our RTR community face place. That's right. Well, they were. I remember we took a poll that said, what kind of movie do you want? More drama, whatever. But also someone specifically referenced this film oh. on the uh, on a RTR community face place conversation. Nice. Well, see, that's how you do it. You can affect the outcome of this podcast or the, the flow of this podcast by putting in suggestions in the RTR community. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So you didn't like it as much, but you like it now. So I didn't like it as much when I saw it originally and read it originally. Right. Um, I liked it this time. Um, it's still just challenging subject matter. It's very sad. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of sadness here. There's a lot of high emotions. So mm-hmm. while it's good, I did feel like it's fatiguing because you kind of get taken through the ringer, uh, emotionally speaking. All right. Well, so what about perspectives? I, I assume social perspectives on things the way he treated chief yeah so i i remember when he was doing the the hand on the mouth thing just trying to do like a, a mock chant of the the native american character it definitely felt more like a slap in the face than it did on first watching well i think the behavior could be used if this was recreated because we're trying to show that he's not a likable guy it so you think that was in service of informing his character it wasn't just a kind of casual racism of the time. Right. I, I think we, even then, we knew that he was just kind of being an asshole. Okay. Yeah. Things I wish that- we could phone in a 70s person and ask him. Because <laughs> I read that as he was just being casually racist, as a 70s person of the time might be. Well, I mean, after being told that this person can't hear or speak, that's when he did that. To me, that reads more, I mean, racism there, sure, absolutely. But asshole, I mean, all racists are assholes, so... All races are assholes? Racists. Oh, okay. I I was going to say, we need to print that on a t-shirt. No. Alice in 2021. No. No. All all people who are racist are assholes. There you go. I need to work on my (laughs) enunciation. Good recovery. So, yeah, no, uh, he's definitely, he cranks up his assholeness. He's more than your average asshole. But I thought. He's bigger than the average bear. Yeah. But I thought that maybe his racism was standard. Like, if he had done that in a pub, he probably would have gotten some laughs. That's my thought. And that's possible. And that's, you know, us with our modern perspective looking back at a time that neither of us were alive. True. But I feel like I've got a sense of these things. (laughs) Well, let's let's phone our uh, older friends who are alive in 75 and with it enough to know. (laughs) All right. What about your mom? Well, I'm not going to bother her right now. What about your uncle yeah sure let's call my uncle <laughs> <laughs> all right fine. hi uncle charlie <laughs> like, <laughs> were people assholes in the 70s i heard people were assholes in the 70s but uh what were your thoughts about the movie zach because you've been very caged about telling me how you feel one way or the other about anything i don't like revealing things until the end i feel like i've revealed stuff too early on some other podcasts but i get excited <laughs> like, i know like last taxi driver, I think was the most excited you've been to discuss a movie in a long time. Yeah, well, I mean that was a masterpiece of a movie. What are you gonna do? Yeah, not a lot to do. Yeah. Uh, well, so what do I think of this movie? I honestly wasn't blown away by it. Okay, that's fair. I, I people say this is one of those like holy shit, smack you in the face classic movies, and I don't know. And that it could be, right. you know, your expectation was set too high by by others and that's possible 
Yeah, but I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. Like it was a, it was, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, the performances from Ratchet and uh, McMurphy, or you know, uh, Nicholson and whatever her name is, mm-hmm. Fleischer, Fletcher, Fle- Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher. My uh, families are Fletchers. Are they? My mom said. Did they Fletch? Adding feathers to arrows. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. I mean, I'm assuming that's how my we got the my name. <laughs> my my ancestors were really good at basketball. So. How do you like that? There you go. Dunkin'. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're going around Dunkin'. Oh, I thought your people were donut people. No, we were basketball people. Next question. <laughs> yeah, wasn't blown away by it. Jack Nicholson's energy in the whole movie was kind of, as you said, dad trying to hold, have you hold a flashlight kind of energy. <laughs> and I, like, Oh, you want to cry? I'll make you cry. <laughs> his, his energy toward all the other people in the ward was basically that the whole time, which I thought was uh, entertaining. But... <laughs> It's entertaining when it's not you holding the flashlight. Especially like, well, yeah. <laughs> but like while they're playing basketball and stuff like that, he's running around going, oh, for Christ's sake, just throw it. What are we trying to do? Place a basketball or master for whatever you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, I think I talked about this before. I expected more of a twist. I thought the movie seemed fairly kind of straightforward. As game changing as this movie might have been for the time, like with the storyline and setting and everything like that, I've now seen dozens of parodies and movies and stuff building on this setting and story. So it all kind of felt familiar and kind of tame. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying that it felt intense and a long range of emotions. I was just like, it all felt predictable. So I didn't kind of feel anything. I don't know. Like for, for me, the scenes that I, I had trouble watching were usually the circle therapy just because I probably over sympathized with the mental patients. It, it hurt me when they were hurting. So I'm going to say that when it comes to contributions to cinema, do you think it did? Was it the first movie to do the psychiatric ward storyline? See, in that... Uh, if so, it was, then yes. If not, then no. See, this is the first one that comes to my mind when I think about a film set in an asylum telling this kind of story story where it set up that the nurse was actually the villain not the criminal even though the criminal was bad the director i felt was trying to make her the villain having to humanize her again and i do think that this is one of the most famous films where they had a native american lead actor who was telling a different story i wouldn't necessarily call him a star of the movie he was one of the the leads and definitely the star of the book He's yeah, he's the star of the book, and that's yeah. why I, one of the reasons why the author of the book didn't like the movie because yeah. he was not POV. I don't know. So yeah, I I don't know if it was the first one. Maybe we can get some input from the listeners, but I I don't. If it was the first one, then yeah, I mean it contributed a new trope, I guess, to Hollywood. I mean this was seventy five, so you know, Titty Cut Follies I think came out in the sixties or late fifties, but that's a true story versus this, which is narrative. Well, I mean, hey, you know, I'll give it to Shepard Pratt Folly, Donkey Man. Yeah, so did it contribute something to cinema? Nah. Do you think anything would need to be changed for modern audiences? Uh, Yeah, the casual racism and homophobia. Mm -hmm. We've talked about those things and how they can exist in modern movies if they're serving a story or character purpose. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it seemed like most of the racism in this movie was just kind of casual and over the time. So... If it were going to be of this time, people aren't or shouldn't be, you know, normally casually racist like that. Unless yeah. you've got like a racist character mm-hmm. in which, you know, you can have that. But, you know, it, it's it will be serving that type of character. Yeah. Be a different kind of dynamic, I think. And yeah, the main character was kind of unapologetically giddy about hooking up with underage girls. So maybe change that too. 
Yeah, yeah. Make Unless him. you want him to be a completely unsympathetic monster. Which he is kind of. <laughs> monster man. By kind of, he, he is definitely an unsympathetic character. Yeah. Like it's, but at the same time, do I feel like unsympathetic people should be lobotomized? No, but that's me. I, I don't like people being harmed. No, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. And there's a, there's an interesting psychological conversation to be had here as to whether if you could give somebody a pill and it would cure them of their desire for pedophilia or anything else and say they have offended in the past, but if you could give them this pill now, should they deserve any time in prison or, you know, wherever else? See, that's an interesting conversation too. Cause like, I know that for some offenders, they do chemical castration because in theory, if they don't have the urge to commit these heinous acts, then they're no longer a quote unquote threat, but that doesn't negate their past offenses or crimes. Oh man, this is a deep thought. Yeah. Because if they no longer have the capacity for those thoughts, they were basically a broken robot that you've now fixed. Why should you be punished the new robot? Accountability, I guess, but at this, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I because it, but you think about it as for, as far as a tumor, mm-hmm. people commit crimes uh, like murder sprees, and Who you have, find out that they have a tumor on, they get exonerated. Yeah, because it wasn't quote unquote them. So, but when you put it in terms of pedophilia, Worse I, I feel no, well, no, no. I just I, I feel like people are more unlikely to forgive that act because I, I think a lot of sexual crimes are seen as that kind of unforgivable valley because that other that person that you harmed will never be well again but it is an analogous thought to say that if a person commits a killing spree and you find a tumor on their brain they get exonerated in in the right place that like pressing Mm -hmm. on the amygdala or whatever causing them to have more adrenaline than they should if you uh, have a pill that cures somebody of whatever cognitive malfunction makes them want to be a pedophile or whatever other kind of crazy crime you can think of if you can cure them of that instinct it's the same sort of thing as removing the tumor but we think of it differently it's an interesting thought well it's yeah i need to marinate on this a little bit because that it's something i had not ever given thought to and it's totally unrelated to this movie yeah but except uh, for he he mentioned a preference for a 15 going on 30. And he was lobotomized, so I guess it kind of, in a roundabout way, is, I feel is yucky. a let's relevant let's, situation. Let's go on to our rose ceremony, shall okay. we? <laughs> I feel gross. All right, Act 5, the Rose Award Ceremony. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I would like it very much if you would stop the Rose Award. Who would you give yours to? So in this case, I was really torn between Mac and Chief. Uh, Did you just say Mac and Cheese? <laughs> Because I think they were both essential to driving the story, but I think Mac held more of the reins in the movie versus Chief did in the book. But what did he really accomplish? Ruining the lives of the inmates. Yeah, he ruined the lives of the inmates, got one of them killed, and failed to escape. But Rose is kind of what we've deemed the protagonist of the story. So in this case, he was technically the protagonist. No, no, the Rose isn't the, the protagonist. It's the person who does the most to further the plot. Right. And, and I, his plot was to escape. And he failed or, or to just serve his time. He, and he extended it. But he also changed the ward that was there. Like he added that humanization to ratchet at the end with the neck brace. He changed others willingness to stand up to her got one of them killed got one of them killed got himself killed affected his life for the worse i don't know i i can't give it to him i have to give it to chief okay because he actually did escape yeah okay (laughs) 
Uh, who is your thorn? Oh, McMurphy. Hands down. Okay. Stupid idiot. And he did get in his own way. Got Yeah. yeah. That, that was the whole movie. He got it in his own way, got himself into the farm, got him, got into his own way, got himself into this psychiatric ward that he misjudged, mm-hmm. and then got in his own way and extended his sentence, got himself lobotomized, and then killed. I think you've convinced me. I'm, I'll switch mine. He's a, he's a goddamn idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you love anybody? Nope. Okay. I, I loved Billy Bibbit. I think you've got a thing for stutterers. Possibly. Well, it's just in this case- A guy could kill three dogs- and you still like him if he's got a stutter. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. Yep. This he, is facts and truth. Those were not his intended <laughs> targets. Oh, so so I, I haven't started. I haven't. I haven't. I have to fish called Wanda. Yeah. I haven't started editing that, but randomly I just put on the audio file uh-huh. and started listening to it. It sounds like it's going to be a good episode, by the way, <laughs> but it was hilarious listening to that conversation again. <laughs> so Billy Pivot, you know, to, to me, he just was this truly tragic and pitiable character. And he seemed like he was so good natured and just my, my heart. If I was to feel sympathy to someone, I, I think I just, I've felt so bad for him that like he's a little puppy. I love him. Well, yeah, I feel bad for him too. You know, he's uh, commit suicide because he doesn't want his mom to find out he had sex. To me, he was a a good soul and I I felt bad for him. So in this cast of players, if I had to love someone, it would be Billy Bibbit. And I think that confirms my theory. (laughs) Not about the dogs. (laughs) Yeah, you are willing to watch three dogs die and watch a man do it as long as he's got a stutter. That's not the name. You will applaud him. Zachary. Why do you think that this is... <laughs> no, don't, don't t- expound. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare expound. <laughs> I'll give you all my reasons. But who did you hate? Uh, Jack Nicholson's character, McMurphy, baby. He was the worst. I hated him to death. I was glad when he died. I had no sympathy for him at all. Got lobotomized. I was like, good on you. <laughs> for me, it was Ratchet. But I think <laughs> it just... she. She, to me, was the the antagonist, and I just hated her so much. Yeah. Well, you've explained off-air some reasons why that might be more effective to you than it it is to me. Yeah. But, I mean, I also worked with... Redacted. In the Barnes & Noble Cafe. So why did you put the forks in the way you did? Because you know the right way to do it, don't you? (laughs) And you, you didn't do it that way. Like that, you know, exactly how ratchet is, is how redacted is. I don't want to work with that person, (laughs) but is she evil? Nah, come on, son. Not evil. Evil can evil. That guy's evil. No, he isn't. He just jumped some buses unless something came out that I'm not aware of. Oh yeah. He was also sexually harassing them. The buses? Yep. So he just likes a nice caboose. <laughs> he loves a good caboose that evil can evil. All right. Ratings time. Now, what would you give this? I said that the genre was drama. I said drama as well. All right. So what would you give it for drama? I gave it a seven out of 10. A seven out of 10? Yeah. For drama? Yeah. I, I felt like this film did take you on a dramatic emotional roller coaster while our leads were not you know all within their faculties i found myself caring about them mm-hmm. and we were given these brief moments of joy and happiness to kind of cling to as the rug gets consistently pulled out from under us very dramatically mm, that's a good point i gave it a five out of ten okay 
And what I have to say about it, it's not a pro or a con, I guess. I just have it as notes. So I say again, it feels familiar. It's, it's like a movie I've seen dozens of times, except this one had Jack Nicholson in it. And that's kind of cool. Directing. Directing. I gave it a six out of ten. Hey, me too. High fives. High fives. I say uh, nothing astounding. <laughs> it's all right. So I would say of the different Milo's Foreman movies that I've seen, this is my second favorite. My first oh. being Amadeus. Uh, he did Amadeus? He did Amadeus. I haven't seen Amadeus, but that's another one I really want to see. So I, <laughs> in my notes, I even said, which I believe you've seen or I would have suggested it first. No, I have not seen Amadeus. I felt like most of the emotional highs and lows Foreman takes us through are powerful, but admittedly, it's not as cinematically impactful as a taxi driver was. Um, mm -hmm. There's something to be said about Scorsese and Kubrick who have this unique style to them. Art. Almost, yeah, as like an artist stroke. Yeah. 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 Um, and Foreman doesn't really show that unique stroke in this film. He does in Amadeus. Yeah, so I, heard, I, I know that he said that he wanted this one to be, as I said before, cinema verite, mm -hmm. where it feels more, it's supposed to seem like, candid photography almost but yeah definitely put amadeus on the list i'd like to see that yeah uh music i gave it a i'm actually gonna lower my score Ooh. i say a three out of ten that's exactly what i gave it yeah three out of ten there's no music that really stands out except for the intro and the outro yep exactly right now for directing back to directing what did i give taxi driver for directing i think you gave it a nine directing 10 out of 10 heck yeah i was about to say if it was a nine out of ten i don't know why i had 10 out of 10 Okay, so yeah, we did music and for writing. What would you give uh, a One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for writing? So I gave it a 5 out of 10. I thought they did an adequate job of adapting the book. I remember the tone feeling quite similar to the book, but recognized small changes from what I can recall. I will say I, I wish they had kept it kind of from the perspective of Chief in the sense that I feel like storytelling from a Native American perspective is not something that is utilized much in American cinema or at all. We yeah. cast Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, oh, the Last of the Mohicans yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that either. I've heard it's a good movie. Is it, is it, it has beautiful music. Yeah. Is it, it just not your cup of tea? So it's romancy. It's very drama romance. It's more what I would call romance than anything. Okay. So I gave writing also a five out of 10. Mm-hmm. We were kind of on uh, in sync on this one, except for genre, I think. Yeah. And I have a feeling that my acting may be a little more generous than yours. For writing, it all seemed very straightforward. After the initial kind of get-to-know-you period, the relationships between the characters never really change. I guess the tall guy and Jack Nicholson did once he reveals that he can speak and hear. Jack Nicholson's character makes really stupid decisions kind of all over the place that are not merely risky or unfortunate, but just plain stupid. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever played with my expectations of the movie. Nurse Ratchet acted like the baddie from the beginning and was. Jack Nicholson acted like a high-functioning jackass and was. <laughs> high-functioning jackass is, I think, my new favorite <laughs> expression. <laughs> and I thought that the Futurama parody was more well-written. It made okay. more sense. I it had more. I remember the stabby guy's name. Uh, Roberto. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, and also, uh, what was the, the robot that Fry was trapped into in the cell with? Uh, malfunctioning Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. All right. Acting. I gave it a five out of ten. 
Okay. So uh, I thought the characters did a very good job playing their parts, especially the peripheral characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholson always does a good crazy. And I thought Louise Fletcher did a really good job at just being someone we could hate. Mm-hmm. Nothing was Olivier levels. But no, I, no. So, but I thought five was a decent score for... Okay. I actually gave it one more than that. I gave it a six out of 10. Mainly because of the the main lead performances, Nicholson and Fletcher. Mm -hmm. I thought they both did a fantastic job. If I I, just those two, I probably would have given them seven. Everybody else was more five, four range. Mm -hmm. So I just averaged it out to about six. Yeah. So it seemed like most of the other people playing the psychiatric patients were somewhat method. They all stayed in the the hospital and kind of behaved and living that life for weeks or months or whatever it was. So dedication there. I thought their performances were, you know, fairly solid. So, I mean, the acting I didn't think was bad. So what did you give it for your reel? And we're getting down to the drum roll. Right. We should actually have a drum roll sound effect. I've said that before. Have you? Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't listening. I, it took a man to say it before it's going to actually have it happen. <laughs> God, hear it. <laughs> just, just, just do it. Now, Zachary. Yeah. Why do you feel like it's a man's job? No, ma. Who's the bike, ma? <laughs> the bike was attacking me, ma. Later, later. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what was the question? <laughs> What's your real rating? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, six out of ten. Okay. Heart rating? Three. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was off the mark with what I thought. The six, and or you said seven and seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, critically, I'd say a six. I mean, what did I give the other scores? I mean, acting was a six, writing was a five, music was a three, drama was a five, directing was a six. So... Six is actually probably generous, mm. but you know, overall, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was pretty good. So, even though my perspectives have changed and my nostalgia towards the film changed a little bit, like I, I feel like I remember scenes that weren't in there, and that could be because of social media or not social media, the Mandela pop, effect, popular media. Yeah, it just kind of impacted me, and then yeah. also having the trouble of do I remember it from reading it or do I remember it from watching it, right. It's weird. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, because especially I've done this with Harry Potter. Because mm-hmm. once I've seen the movies a bunch, I don't like the movies, but I'm much more familiar with the, the book source material. Mm-hmm. But I'm so familiar with the look of the actors now, I imprint the the actors into the, the story. Yeah. Into the books. So I remember scenes of the books with the actors. Yeah. It, you know? And that's a weird thing. It is kind of a weird thing. So uh, I'll say that my ratings did not change from what I thought they would be. Okay. But my experience watching was different than I thought it would be. And you you said that you didn't like it so much in high school. And you said that your heart rating is a six. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Like I, I liked watching it this time, but I did find it emotionally fatiguing. So things that are emotionally fatiguing could still be good, I guess. Is Oh, yeah. No, I know. agree with that. I mean, that's kind of like Joker. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit emotionally fatiguing, but it's and Taxi. Driver. Did you go back and watch it? I know you said that you wanted to watch it again now that you've seen Taxi Driver to look for the parallels. No, I didn't. I can't remember why. Lost track of time. Time is short. Yeah. <laughs> time is an illusion. I, seriously, like the past couple weeks, I, I do work during the day. I try to have a gaming session in the evening, mm-hmm. like a couple hours, and then I program and I lose track of time and then it's like three and four in the morning. Yeah. And I seriously, three and four in the morning, I don't go to sleep until then. And I take Nymeri out and then go to sleep and die. Take naps and wait patiently for death. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so I just, I feel like my heart rating is low, but honestly, it was eh. You the feel experience, what you feel. The, the experience was kind of eh. It was all right. I don't know. So with that being said, 
Can can I tell you mm-hmm. about a little bit of anxiety I'm having? Yes, I know exactly what kind of anxiety you're having. So why don't you tell the good ladies? Let's let's ascend to Act Six. Act Six next time on the RTR. <laughs> I don't know what I'm. Our doing. audience is having a range of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is going to be our next movie? So ladies and jelly spoons, we are going to be partaking in what is my favorite movie of possibly all time. Oh my God. And if Zach doesn't like it, at least a little bit, I'm going to be devastated. (laughs) So just prepare for the episode that could be Allison's complete and total annihilation as we watch (laughs) The Labyrinth. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. I know. I'm going to feel so bad if I hate this movie. (laughs) I'm going to feel bad too. All right. I'm going to try my best not to hate it. So I have a lot of history of that movie. I'll save that discussion for next time. (laughs) Oh, God. So my nostalgia rating is a 10 out of 10. (laughs) You say it so nervously. Because (laughs) I know that this is is something that I've watched consistently since I was three years old. Like Three? Yeah. Wow. When we first got here from the States, I have a story to tell about it. Oh, boy. So this is pretty much the top of my list of my favorite movies so i'm not saying that it's critically good i'm saying i love the shit out of it okay all right fair enough fair yeah. enough that, that's how i felt about waxworks yeah i don't mean to compare those two movies but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> however i always confuse labyrinth and pan's labyrinth in my mind completely different films yes and i haven't seen either well pan's labyrinth will need to watch when i can have a, a golden ticket Okay. But mm-hmm. I also needed to have a golden ticket for Rat Tattooey, so. So it'll be up to your feeling in a given month. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to leave the room. I don't want to have any part of this movie spoiled for me. I have no idea what it's about. Okay. Oh, what the setting is. I don't know nothing. Good. Go into it blind, baby. All right. I'm leaving. So uh, before you leave. Oh, okay. My predicted heart for you. Mm-hmm. Four, four hearts? Four. <laughs> is that just you're hedging your bets because you don't want to be totally crushed? Four is generous because you have the potential to hate it. Because this is one of those things where I recognize that it could be of its time. Right. Okay. And like like Goonies. I don't. Now, I'm not saying they're the same because I know you hate the Goonies. Well, but it's also a kid's movie. Okay. And I watched it when I was older. Yes. So I can understand why I might not have liked that movie. But is Labyrinth a kid's movie? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. It's not. A bunch of kid actors. So it's not an ensemble cast kind of kid situation. Okay. It's a very mature Jennifer Connelly who was 16 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, God, you just sounded a lot like McMurphy there. And it kind of <laughs> creeps me out. <laughs> Hang on. Let me go back to the ratchetness. Uh, so, and for your real... God, I'm so scared. Uh, I, I'm going to say four also. Four and four. Okay. Yeah, But... 10 out of 10 for Allison. 10 out of 10 for Allison. It, real and? Okay. So my nostalgia is a 10 real. I will give it. So genre, I think I would declare it as musical. Um, oh, pu- is it? Pu- puppet musical fantasy. All of that's news to me. Yeah. So it's. I only knew David Bowie and yeah. puffy hair. Oh, uh, <laughs> so I would say real rating. I'll give it a six. Okay. So musical fantasy is the genre. Okay, we'll so your real is six, your heart slash nostalgia is ten. Perfect score. If I could give it a fifteen, I would. It's a full bouquet, you, baby. You can do whatever you want. So when I talk about the critical films that are at the top of my list, it's different than the heart ones. This is the highest you will get on my heart list. 
Okay, so this is maxing out on Allison's heart value. And the heartbreak potential is <laughs> real. The higher it is, the more I can crush it. All right. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, Zach will be leaving us now as I queue up the trailer. Bye, everybody. TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. Oh! Where you go with a head like that? Hmm? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. <laughs> and one of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. <laughs> Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. The world of Labyrinth. So that was the trailer for one of my most sacred films, The Labyrinth. Zachary's coming back to the microphone. Everybody hide your images. No, no, they done been hidden. Hide <laughs> your images. I don't want to know nothing about this picture. Mikey the Censor, is that you? Hello, it's me, Mikey the Censor. I didn't think I'd see you this lovely Sunday evening. Oh, I just thought I'd poke my head in and see how your kids are doing. We're doing all right. There was no food today. You guys didn't eat any food on the program? We learned our lesson, Mikey. Oh my God, I'm so proud of you guys. I don't even know. Well, we appreciate you coming down and saving us. All right, well, I got a split. There's doors, Mikey, the sensor. There's doors. He's long gone. I know. Hi, Zach. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> So do remember to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and keep us living. Yeah. If you don't leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you are a monster and you deserve- You don't want to kill Tinkerbell, do you? You deserve to be incarcerated for the rest of your life. <laughs> be sure to join us on the, our Facebook group, RTR Community Face Place. You must pronounce that right. I, I thought I did. Okay. I'll, I'll do it a little harder. <laughs> RTR. There you go. Faceplace. Now you got it. <laughs> and uh, just- just remember, if you don't join us there, you're only really getting half the situation and story out. If you don't join us there, then use a square. Mikey, you came back. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot my jacket. <laughs> okay, but use the door this time, you silly. Oh, I gotta go. No. Zach is gonna run out of windows at this rate. He keeps taking my seat when he comes in. He <laughs> just shoves me on the floor. It's kind of a jerky move. Yeah. I don't like that guy. <laughs> no one likes that. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to think so. <laughs> Anyway, so we would like to thank Julian Crowhurst for the use of our theme song. Caca! <laughs> I like that's your little sign-off. <laughs> Join us next time for The Labyrinth. All right. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you for coming. Thank you. We're shaking hands like yep. civil people. Like uh, like gentlemen that we are. Gentles. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for listening. If you did, if you didn't, then you're not listening to this. And we're not thanking you. And we're not thanking you. So, uh, you know, I've been Zach. I'm Allison. Bye. This is not going to be the right button. 
We did it! Yay! Is this... What's wrong? I don't know. Is this the right song? Yeah. All right. It's not our intro music. It's the one you created. Okay. You say <laughs> so. I've been so long since Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I kind of have stopped paying attention to them. All right. So that's that one. And that's... Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> it's not as late as we normally go. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. 7.30. But the time difference and such. I've got excuses. Bye, everyone. Bye. You know, uh, while Zach is fixing his notes, I would just like to have a call to our fan base to see, would any of our fans like to do some fan art of some of our favorite side characters, like Agatha or Mikey the Censor? What would the shirt be for Agatha? What's your shirt? I, what's your pitch? It was Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> Agatha. Two scoops. Two scoops. <laughs> Agatha Two Scoops. Oh, I like that. That's her last name. So now it's a cereal. <laughs> <laughs> She's always doing it. Agatha Two Scoops. You can't stop her. <laughs>